Hello and welcome to Cartridge Cinema Club episode 17. Wow, 17. Uh, my name is Mark Champlin and today I'm joined by Alex Wallace. It only gets worse from here, girls and gays. It is just, it's just downhill. You hear 17 and you're like, holy shit, that's a lot of bad movies that we've watched. And by God, when it's like, welcome to Cartridge Cinema Club episode 139. <laughs> Today we watched an obscure uh, Japanese adaptation uh, direct-to-video of Burger Time, and we're going to be discussing it. What do we watch? This? That would probably that would probably be better than the first Resident Evil movie, two thousand two. Yeah, directed man. By Paul W. S. Anderson. So this is uh, this is definitely one of the worst movies we've uh, we've watched in recent memory, at least in the past few Whoa. weeks. Cards <laughs> on the table. One of the one of the worst. Uh, it's okay. just okay. It's, I respect it. It's okay. It's just so profoundly mediocre. This there are so many ways for a movie to be bad, and this movie is bad in a couple of ways. But it's just not spectacular at anything. There's no, oh, not at there's all. There's absolutely nothing interesting about it. I mean, well, there are interesting things to talk around it obviously because we're about to talk about it for 45 fucking minutes um but when you're watching it it's <laughs> do our darndest it's just such a fucking slog to get through this thing man uh, so yeah literally halfway through this movie i texted mark and i was just like are we sure that we didn't just watch doom again um, if I'm, I'm not gonna bother to do my plot thing because the plot is doom yeah. if you want to hear the plot you already a lot of you listen to this podcast regularly if you heard the doom episode just copy paste the plot. It's not on Mars this time. It's an un, it's underground. Yeah, and it, it's the same there's plot. a there's an underground science research facility. They make a virus that turns people into zombies. Technically, this movie came out first, so Zoo, Doom is the one. But it's just ugh, it's just such a generic fucking plot that it is completely irrelevant. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bunch of gun guys, and also there's a girl there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, go down to a research yeah. facility and try not to get killed, but systematically. Each one of them gets killed. Yeah, but it's there like not it's not even as interesting as Doom. Like, this is a a big sarcastic air quotes better movie than Doom, in that Doom is like aggressively misogynistic, and like all mm-hmm. of the characters are like super, super unlikable, and they're just all assholes and you don't want to spend any time with them the trade-off and I'd call the pro- i'd call the production quality better in this movie as well but I, but, I, but I, not by again much. how much does that matter yeah and and but this movie the trade-off yeah this movie yeah. trades <laughs> shitty asshole characters for characters with no personality whatsoever um every single beat of the plot is explained by one character monologuing at another character or in <laughs> rapid fire plot exposition montages in which characters are barraged with memories and you're supposed to just kind of figure out what the fuck is going on. They, they do both um, both amnesia sins that you can pull when you have an amnesia plot, which is, uh, hey, this character forgot everything, so now someone can explain to them slash the audience everything going on in the world which is the first and it's not a sin it's a common trope but it's just they it's it's much better when it's a little more subtle and not literally th- literally the character asking the questions that me and the audience was asking yeah yeah it really is that it really is just like yeah. the characters going down well <laughs> like like when they were writing the script it's like well what information does the audience need all right have this character ask the question that you just asked me <laughs> and they don't show anything it's literally just uh, boss army guy dude explaining to 
the main character uh, Mila Jovovich. Yeah. Uh, because of course it's her. Yeah, and it's not. Um, it has nothing to do with Resident Evil, uh, besides that there is an Umbrella Corporation, and then there is a T virus, and that there are zombies. But there's like no shared characters, um, or no. anything like that. Uh, it shares proper. It shares proper nouns and nothing. And else. that's about it. Yeah. And, and general, there there is a mansion, but the mansion is uh, is coincidental almost the mansion is circumstantial it's uh, the mansion is incidental <laughs> yeah it's that, that's the word i'm searching yeah for, yeah um it, it it basically just exists to be a like front for the spooky undergrad lad which is like a cool setup yeah. but it none of it matters and 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 but the real thing about it is just that like it is so fucking visually dull it, it, it is blue and gray and flat yeah. shots and characters you know at three-fourth angles talking to each other and you know i talked about this with doom how doom is just like you know an incredibly flat movie with just a bunch of boring army men standing in front of gray walls um and i remember when when i was in film school um i went to like some fucking networking event uh and there was like a, a director there who was doing the keynote. I don't I don't remember who it was, but he went on for like three hours and parts of it were really interesting. Um, and he talked about how when he was uh, he was working on a TV shoot and you know he had been doing this kind of shit for fucking forever. and you know they they have to shoot this this scene that happens out on this pier. And, you know, they walk a few feet out onto the pier and kind of try to figure out where they're going to shoot. And he's like, yeah, this looks pretty good. Yeah, whatever. We'll 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 shoot it here. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some kid like some production assistant that, you know, is, is working on it, uh, you know, wanders off to the end of the pier at some point and comes back and is like, holy shit, yo, like we got to fucking we got to go shoot out there. The view from out there is incredible. You can see, you know, the whole city. It, it's spectacular. We got to shoot the scene out there. They don't go to the end of the pier in this movie ever. You know, it's all just so uninteresting. There's never any moments where you feel like they are using the medium of film in order to make the story <laughs> more interesting. You know, we talked a lot last yeah, week about like the, very true. the visual themes in Tron, how Tron uses, you know, specific light coloring and specific shapes in the frame in order to sort of you know create Mm -hmm. visual symmetry with the computer scenes there's just nothing like that in this movie and i know that i'm just like dunking on this like shitty b action movie that nobody gives a shit about anymore but like (laughs) you know if i have to sit there for like an hour and 40 minutes and watch you know gray boxes no, it's it's not the tightest ninety minutes. It's, it's really not. It certainly isn't. Um, and and all of this is a fucking shame because the first like five to ten minutes of this movie really make you think that it's actually gonna be kind of good. Yeah, I was thinking that this movie would be like totally all right, like totally. I I thought it would be more than serviceable. I was like, okay, I know it's a horror movie, and like. As lo- and like I know it's going to be jump scares and zombies and shooting and I I knew all that was going to be there, but I thought that with a property like Resident Evil, that it's just such a strong base for you to build something cool with, that I kind of thought that they would be able to do something that was remotely interesting 
and not something that was so so rote and boring and and the jump scare there was only jump scares yeah the but the thing about the first 10 minutes is it really is uh effective i think we both uh agreed that um that like there's 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 some text at the very beginning and it sets up the premise of umbrella corporation being you know an all-powerful uh organization a corporation rather that has products um, in consumer electronics and uh, and um, like healthcare and health. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, and they're inside. They're inside every home, and they're and then it says, "Hey, also their profit model is highly unethical." And you think to yourself, "Cool, I know corporations like this in real life." Yeah, the weird. <laughs> actually, the weird thing is they're like no, nobody, not even most of their employees know that they also make chemical weapons and like yeah. and, and 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 fucking tactical nuclear warheads and shit like that. And, and it's I was like, like, damn, Amazon probably does that shit too. <laughs> and it's well, I, I was more like, damn, no. In real life, people know, and they just kind of try to ignore it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Exactly. It's like pe- people know that like. People, people know. People that, know that like, Raytheon isn't chill. <laughs> you no. know, people um, know that Tesla could be doing a lot of shit that helps the world, and instead they're they're doing their space <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. So, so yeah, and then then it has this like you know kind of like you know serious gruff narrator intro where he talks about the Umbrella Corporation, and then there's this yep. like intro sequence um, that really convinced me that this was going to be like a genuinely good horror movie. Um, that shit was scary. It is scary I, as fuck, dude. I watched it on my lunch break. The the I watched the first twenty minutes on my lunch break, and like I was genuinely like uncomfortable, and like had to like like meditate for a second to like get back into work mode. Yeah, like, it was effective. So so basically, the the intro is like you know there it's a bunch of like laboratory workers and office worker types working in this some kind of facility, and then like the gas starts being released into the room and all the doors start to lock and the the it's the whole building starts to flood and everybody's trying to escape and it's super tight and super claustrophobic and at one point like a group of characters get trapped in an elevator and there's this part where like a woman has to squeeze through these like slightly agape elevator doors and like her face is right up against like the ceiling of the building um and i'm a severely claustrophobic person um and so Mm -hmm. sequences like this are like really really effective uh uh, on me and like you know the elevator like moves down and she's trying to get out and then it like goes up and she like smashes into the ceiling and it cuts and it's super super fucking scary dude it's really really intense and then the next scene after that is Okay, well, uh, it's really astonishing how many fucking movies we've watched in this podcast in which a, like, naked woman appears within the first five to ten minutes. And as soon as I saw the the naked woman here, and I'll let you explain it, but I just, I had this thought of, like, this movie's not going to be sexual, like, at all, but they wanted to be able to, like, throw a naked woman in the trailer. Yeah, just just (laughs) because. And, and, yeah, this movie doesn't really have, uh, like, the... The main female character is just like in a sexy negligee the whole time. She were you can just like see her whole ass fucking thigh the whole movie, and it's just it, mm-hmm. you know it's just it's just it's Paul W S Anderson letting him letting you all know how hot his wife is. That's <laughs> that's all the Resident Evil movies are. Fun um, fact: they actually did not start dating until uh, the end of this movie. Oh, <laughs> that makes it even better and more weird. Um, (laughs) but you know, and then this sequence, like, despite the fact that, you know, her being naked is like lame, um, 
she wakes up in a shower in this big ass mansion. She doesn't know where the fuck she is. She wanders around. She like tries to sort of piece together what's happening, uh, you know, from like the <laughs> ephemera around the room. She opens a drawer and there's a bunch of fucking guns in it, and she kind of freaks out about that. And I do want to say this moment is one of the few moments in the movie that it it lets us as the audience figure out. Oh, she doesn't know who she is. Yeah. She's lost her memory. And it doesn't say where am I or something. Yeah. Instead of a character like explaining to you every <laughs> single thing that happens. Um, yeah. And then and then eventually, you know, this has kind of like been a very like kind of slow paced sequence, and then a bunch of fucking SWAT guys break in through the windows loud rock music starts playing there's a lot of guns and yelling and did you know at that moment that this movie was going to be doomed that was that was when i was like oh they just they just kill all the fucking tension they just kill all of it and then the tension is just sucks the tension is just ruined for the entire movie because they just totally fucking blow their load on like some army dudes breaking in through a window instead of like a spooky moment with a zombie they just it's all gone yeah, it ends and then some bullshit Trent Reznor ass styled music starts playing because it's 2002 and all the tension's gone by then. Yeah, and like it really feels like they have pretensions towards this thing being like a legitimate horror film and then they just get bored like five <laughs> minutes in and just start and then the rest of the movie is just like, you know, loud shouting and people shooting guns at zombies and it's just, yeah, it's disappointing. And also, they to make the lack of tension even worse, they just... There's so many fucking fake jump scares in this movie. There's so mm-hmm. many moments where like a character is walking in a room and it's quiet and then there's like some, you know, some quiet tense music and then there's like a and there's a scary noise and then it, oh no, it was just their friend coming up behind them and actually it's fine. Yeah. That happens in like every fucking scene in this movie. And not a single one of them surprised me because I could see them coming like so like easily. Yeah. And they, they're so telegraphed. Like there's one part where they're looking into a, a sealed room that had become flooded and this corpse floats up and I'm like, ah, I wonder if the corpse is going to open its eyes. Huh? Look, it opened its yeah, eyes. Oh, there's yeah. A mu- there's <laughs> a loud musical cue when the corpse opened its eyes. I had the Got exact it. same reaction. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so normally at this point in the, uh, in the podcast, we would start talking about the characters, but unfortunately we can't do that because the characters don't have any fucking personality whatsoever. Um, quick, uh, name, name one character's first and last name challenge. Go. Oh, I have a better challenge. Name one of their first names. Go. (laughs) Milo Jovovich's character's name is Alice, I think. And I think... Michelle Rodriguez is called Rain, and I only know that because they say her name like a million times during the last 20 minutes when she's getting killed a lot. That's right. The, okay. Michelle Rodriguez making, I think, her second or possibly her third appearance on the podcast. Um, possibly which, third. Which which leads me to beg the question of, has Michelle Rodriguez ever been good? So what is she in like these days? Why do I know her? I feel like the thing that she's mainly known for is for being in bad movies. And I know yeah, her she's just I know her from being a cop in Lost. I mean she's like a character actor that's almost right. though. Her job that's is right. her job is to play shitty cops, and her character in this movie is a shitty cop. And every other character is a shitty cop, basically. I can just see her as like the bartender on an episode of SVU who's like, Yeah, I seen him. <laughs> <laughs> I seen your guy. He comes in here every Thursday night, complains about his wife. 
Like yeah. that's that's Michelle Rodriguez. Not to uh, sh- shout out to friend of the show Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah, if you're listening, we love we love you. But <laughs> we appreciate you all gotta... of the films that you've appeared in for this podcast. <laughs> she knew, dude. Um, she knew. Yeah, and I do want to like kind of talk about the special effects in this movie a little bit because they're almost good. What? They're pretty bad. They're so bad, dude. <laughs> they're pretty bad. <laughs> what are you talking about? They're not even fun. They're not even fun bad, which is the thing. They're not. There's they're, there's nothing enjoyable about them. There's a really fun, and I think the most fun bad scene in this movie. I can think of two. There's a scene where like a bunch of the soldier characters get trapped in this room, and a bunch of lasers ha- like come like pass <laughs> through the middle of the room and like slice them in half and it does the thing where like they get sliced in half but like nothing happens for a second and then like their body like falls apart and it's like oh no now it's now it's like he was taken apart by a samurai from the katagawa shogunate you know it's that kind of shit (laughs) my first thought was darth maul because that's who i am (laughs) and this is is like the first real sequence of like actual gore in the movie and it's just like these like CG characters like falling apart <laughs> and it just looks so fucking bad and there's like there's like oh man there's like zombie dogs in this movie and the whole time when you're watching the zombie dogs and they're just like dogs in like shitty costumes with like some extra uh you know dark knight two-face cg keeping their faces torn up type shit on them but the whole time i'm just looking yeah. at them i'm just like oh look at those puppies they put them in dumb costumes that's fucking yeah cute. look 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 at those little guys they look so scary yeah. look at them i think the i think the moment where where i truly realized like that this movie was not going to redeem itself was when there's a scene where, like, she gets, like, rushed by a bunch of the zombie dogs, and then she, like, yeah. runs on a wall. This character who has not been established to have any sort of, like, combat training or martial arts uh, prowess whatsoever, like, as runs on a wall. As far as we know, she's a security guard, essentially, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, she's, like, a security and, guard. And she, like, flip kicks a zombie dog in the face. Yeah, yeah, that was it, the moment. It, and this, keep in mind, right before this, she emptied a clip perfect it it perfectly shooting in the head each of the zombie dogs with the perfect amount of bullets also not missing once yeah i think that is like this like like doom sort of has the issue of just like all of the action sequence are just characters with machine guns going like and just firing guns and rapidly at like tons and tons of zombies who are just you know maybe getting hit by bullets it's hard to tell you know it's just dark and sweaty and loud and there's no tension in it and it's just and it just fucking sucks uh we're let's we're gonna talk about this movie and capitalism because (laughs) mark i think you have some hot takes (laughs) i just i i feel like they were i felt like they were almost gonna go for it with the whole capitalism thing um yeah i just so Again, going back to the very beginning of the intro, it was like, it was like unknown to even its employees. This corporation's profit is generated by military tech and viral weaponry. And I was like, oh, okay. So like, so, so the like, corporation this is, the, is bad. <laughs> so, so the corporation is bad. And not only that, but like direct results of like reckless 
profiteering from a corporation is going to cause like a like a global yeah. crisis and like which is interesting to me and this is something that a recent doctor who episode <laughs> actually like did and that was exciting for me because doctor who like generally has like sucked like terribly when it comes to social issues and politics for the past like seven years but they have a new director and they did this episode where like this donald trump stand-in uh is a owns like a hotel chain haha because donald trump um but his like reckless pollution causes these giant zombie spiders to infect london and just like they just you i mean <laughs> you've seen you've seen the seen what they've got up in congress um <laughs> Uh, <laughs> fuck. Those but are the real spiders, it, folks. Those are the real spiders. We hire them to do their jobs, and all they do is spin their webs. Uh, but yeah, so it's. I just thought that was cool, and I thought this movie was going to do something similar, where I was going to say, "Oh, and and I was the characters are going to directly call out this company's greed and reckless need to appease shareholders has caused this horrible crisis." And and then no, yeah, not, and like not, and like vertical like vertical and horizontal integration specifically right like it's the it's the, it, yes it's the fact that like this corporation not only is it you know producing weapons uh it's the fact that it's producing weapons and also controls the media industry also controls you know healthcare and things like that mm-hmm. much like it also produces the cure and is like planning to like sell that as well yeah much like in real life <laughs> right um, precisely but yeah and, and they just don't do anything with it uh, you know there's like a government agent character who uh you know is allegedly here to uh break up the corporation in, in some she, he's like gonna i think the idea is that he's gonna show everyone that they're making zombies and then expose them to the press but he's mm-hmm. like but he's like a government agent so i don't know why exposing them to the press is what his ultimate goal is because that's all he talks about doing. And then this other character who I could not even explain in the plot what the fuck happens to him because his entire backstory is explained through rapid fire flashes of characters remembering things. But he's a bad yep. guy, I guess, and he's gonna he's gonna shoot the government agent. And he basically he tells, uh, you know, uh, Miladovich's character like you know people you know people like this guy they think that they can they can change things, but but nothing ever really changes. You know, you can't, you can't stop this corporation. Um, and he's like kind of right because, you know, the government is not going to stop capitalism for us because obviously the government is, is capitalism and is actively encouraging this kind of thing and is a system that is designed to encourage, you know, corporations to just merge and buy and expand constantly forever. Uh, but he's the bad guy and he's just like a nihilist about the whole thing. And then some other boring shit happens. And I literally could not explain to you the past, like the last like 20 minutes of this movie. Cause it's just a blur in my brain of gray and zombies and none of the interesting yes. plot threads getting to go anywhere. And then the last five minutes is so good. It's so good. Yeah. The, it is the ending. It's such a good setup. The it's, ending, it's, it's, it is it is the rare, extremely rare, very good sequel setup. It's not even just that, though. It's like the fact that, like, okay, so basically the ending is like, 
you know, Milojovic and some dude who doesn't matter. I think it's the government agent. There's so many interchangeable it's white the, men in this movie. It's, it's the guy. It's it's the cop. Yeah, guy. yeah. There's there's so many interchangeable white men in this movie that it is impossible. It was to really keep hard track to keep them. track. Some of them have more square faces than the others. Yeah. That's what I tried to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, they're the only two that make it out. Michelle Rodriguez gets turned into a zombie. Has to get shot in the face, so she's dead. Um, and then a bunch of like dudes in hazmat suits come in and uh, take the dude away and he's like infected and he's about to mutate and they're like i want him to be part of the nemesis program and then they like shuffle him away and then she gets like taken away by the hazmat guys and then there's this like incredibly disturbing sequence that's really really fucking effective um where she like wakes up in like a hospital facility and she's got like a bunch of fucking like wires on her and she's like trying to uh like she doesn't know where she is. She's, like, in, like, a, a hospital gown. And, like, she's, like, ripping wires out of her skin. And it's, like, the first... It's the first time in the movie where it feels like there was care taken with the way that the cinematography is supposed to make you feel. It's the only time yeah. where, you know, she's disoriented and the movie makes you feel disoriented you know she's Mm -hmm. frightened and the movie makes you feel frightened and confused and scared by you know skewing the camera and you know using shaky cam and using pov shots to like make it feel disorienting and make it feel you know claustrophobic and scary and yeah and and as as it becomes clear that she's like terribly alone like at in this place, like as the camera pans out, as she's like pounding on the the the, the two the the one way mirror, and it's clear there was an investigation room. It pans out slowly, and you see that there's no one in that fucking booth, yeah. and she's like alone. The you as the audience are like hearing her muffled screams and like the beeps of the computers, and it's like, oh shit, like this is she's like fucking alone. Something something happened in yeah. the time between they hooked her up and her waking up, and she like finally breaks out of there stumbles out into the street we see a newspaper announcing that the dead are walking she steals a shotgun from a cop car and then it just slowly pans out to this city where all of the you know like the cars are just strewn all over the road and clearly something horrible happened very very quickly um and then that's the end of the movie and it's, it's a good ending. It's so fucking good. And it's so infuriating because the rest of the movie sucks so fucking bad. <laughs> so a little bit of a fun fact here. Paul W.S. Anderson, uh, he he didn't just the, the direct... The director of the movie, if that wasn't yeah, clear. He, he, yeah, he didn't just direct this movie. Like, he directed, wrote, and produced this movie. Like, this was his baby this was his vision he also did the mortal Kombat movie fun fact Um, jesus but (laughs) a lustrous career this man that was his big break like and it even says that on his wikipedia but (laughs) god imagine that imagine that being your big break imagine the thing that you're really known for doing the thing that everyone was like yeah that was when he really knocked it out of the park is the fucking mortal Kombat movie hey he didn't do the second one so props (laughs) But yeah, he wrote, directed, and produced this movie. And there are moments of brilliance in this movie. And that's what makes it better and worse than Doom at the same time. Because there is no moments of brilliance in... In very few of these movies are there moments of brilliance. 
Uh, but the beginning and the ending of this movie are really wonderful bookends to a completely mediocre 80 minutes of movie. And that's a goddamn shame because this this Paul Anderson dude, I mean, he's he's done a lot of movies and I'm kind of excited to see another one of them because they're, spoiler alert, there's more. There's so many fucking um, Resident Evil movies to get through, dude. I'm I'm wondering if he's going to get better or if it's going to get worse. I hear they if, get increasingly campy and ridiculous, which is maybe what I want because this movie isn't fun campy. You know, this movie isn't fun yeah. bad. It's like no, two, it's th- this movie is like two really nice, uh, like French bread buns with fucking wallpaper paste in between them. <laughs> <laughs> what are we watching next week, Mark? Um, boy, that's a, it's a strong, strong week for metaphors. Um, we're watching Rampage, which is from 2018. It, it is... At, at the time of recording, uh, Evergreen Podcast, uh, the most recent video game movie. Yeah, this was this is uh, this was released in April 2018, uh, which is way too fucking recent for this podcast, as far as I'm concerned. Really, I feel like this 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 podcast is sort of spiritually rooted in the mid 2000s. You know, we we move outside of that space, mm-hmm. but that's that's really our wheelhouse. Um, you this know. is this is definitely like a Bush era podcast. <laughs> yeah. Much like other podcasts. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so uh, The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson himself. Friend is going, of the show. Friend of the show, The Rock, is going to be making another <laughs> show-stopping appearance on the podcast after his appearance in Doom, which was atrocious. Um, but in the time between Doom and Rampage, he had a really, really, really long time and a bunch of really shitty movies to get a little bit less shit at acting. So hopefully Rampage parentheses April 2018 will uh, provide the, uh, you know, whimsical laughs and enjoyment of Rampage, which is a video game about drinking radioactive soda and turning into a big monkey. How do people find the podcast on the internet, Mark? Uh, well, the true fans know that they can hashtag engage with us at Cartridge Cinema on Twitter. Um, you should definitely follow our personals, especially follow mine because I'm in a following war. Um, <laughs> if, with his own uh, wife. With my own wife who, who had the nerve to say, hey, y'all, follow me. I need more followers than this guy because that'd be funny. And she's actually going to do it. Yeah. Which is, She's creeping up on you, man. Because she gains, like, almost enough to get there. Anyway, so follow us at Cartridge Cinema. Follow Alex at Party Time Shuffle. Shuffle spelled S-H-F-F-L. Follow me at Mark underscore Drizzle. Help me win the battle. It's really important to me. (laughs) Cartridge Cinema Nation, come support your boy. (laughs) All my my triple CBs out there. Uh, I, I retract the triple CB thing immediately. Um, Spotify, iTunes, uh, the OG is listening to us on SoundCloud, but we love you either way. Uh, you should rate the podcast. Is... <laughs> rate us on iTunes. Yeah, right? no one you, does you... that. You should do that because it makes people listen to the podcast more. It'll show up in their recommendations. Fucking, it'll take you five fucking seconds to go give us five stars on iTunes, and it'll make a big ass difference. So you should you should go do that. That's my yeah. That'd be super plug, chill. My plug of... for the day. That'd be super chill of all of you to do that. Uh, the music is by DJ Tin Man. The art is by Courtney Kaufman. Uh, thank you, guys, if you've listened this far or if you stopped as soon as you heard uh, Rock the Dwayne Johnson. 
which is understandable. And uh, for me, it was Tuesday. Welcome to Cartridge Cinema Club episode 29. My name is Mark Champlin, and today I am joined by Alex Wallace. What's up, girls and gays? Uh, before we get into uh, tonight's special feature, um, I want to address briefly some of the events of the past week. Um, so if you missed it, we did a, did, a, did a little bonus episode earlier in the week where we discussed the... Uh, the recent happenings, uh, that being the release of the Sonic the Hedgehog trailer and the, uh, and the emotional scarring that, that it has caused many people. Um, and, uh, we put that out before the announcement, uh, that they were going to redesign the Sonic the Hedgehog design in the movie, which is supposed to come out in six months, uh, because people hate it, rightfully can, so. <laughs> can I just say, okay, no, I'll, I'll let you finish. No, Go ahead. Well... And I guess the only the only thing that I want to address here is uh, if 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 it is true that they are legitimately going to redesign this thing starting now, like I've seen a lot of like people who seem pretty credible and seem like they know what they're talking about about the uh, animation and VFX industry, uh, talking about how it's possible that this is sort of like a marketing stunt. Uh, and that they knew that they were going to redesign this thing since they, you know, quote-unquote leaked it, and everyone kind of... And then they put this trailer out anyway so they can look like they're doing it for the fans. If that's if that's not the case, um, people are going to have to crunch so fucking hard. People are going to have to miss seeing their families. People are going to have to work 70 to 100-hour work weeks just destroying their minds and bodies, redesigning Sonic for this movie that everyone is going to hate anyway, uh, and that is going to suck, and I just think that's really fucking depressing. Yeah, um, I just want to say fuck nerds. Uh, <laughs> like, super, super fuck nerds. I fucking hate every single self-righteous, angry Joe show motherfucker who got on YouTube as soon as they said uh, they were redesigning Sonic and was like, oh, we won. We fi- finally a win for us gamers. <laughs> finally, we complained about something and and the big guys up top listened. We, I love to be heard uh, for my my voice, uh, my super, super unique uh, This voice. is democracy in action here. <laughs> the people God. spoke and the creators of Sonic and his horrible little teeth responded. Yeah, fucking you know, dude, run that shit, you fucking cowards. That's where I'm at with this. Like, no, you- 100%, 100% fucking percent. Fucking I made a tweet that was like, it was like, stay with your shitty decisions. This movie's going to make a shit zillion dollars either way. Just fucking run it. I'm sure it's terrible, but like, and like, yeah, I don't want to give them a pass for a second for making the worst Sonic design of all time. Like it, it, it is the worst. It Sonic. really is. I didn't think it was possible to make a worse Sonic design than the one that they put in Sonic 06 that kisses a human lady and has weird humanoid proportions. But somehow they made something that's like five times worse than that. I, 
What did we Resident, watch this Resident week? Evil Apocalypse <laughs> is a 2004 <laughs> Uh, Love uh, this podcast. A- action, action, sci-fi horror movie <laughs> written by D- D- Paul W. S. Anderson and is directed by and Alexander Witt, who is not Paul W. S. Anderson because he had prior obligations and you know passed the directorial torch to his homie, um, who also made s- an incredibly blurry and gray film. It, it's gray. It's not as gray. It's more, you know, dark. And yeah. With some with some flashes of, you know, gold. We'll get to it. Um, <laughs> oh man, that's a setup. That's gonna pay off really hard in about thirty to forty five minutes. That, that goes on the 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 triple C nation bingo card. Is we'll get to that. Um, that I think both of us are guilty of that. Uh, it's it's the second Resident Evil movie. Um, and it stars Mila Jovovich and also. Uh, just so many other people that we are made to care about ostensibly, but actually we don't. Um, shout out to Ian Glenn, a friend of the show, <laughs> making an uh, a, a long uh, making a um, a long awaited second appearance, long awaited callback. You know, <laughs> yeah. he was in he was the bad guy in Laura Croft, Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. Sorry, um, from two thousand one, the OG. Um, two two thousands goo episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, only the SoundCloud OGs remember. Um, yeah. Remember the remember the pre microphone era <laughs> <laughs> when we were both recording with like gamer headsets. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So so normally in this portion of the program, uh, is is by uh jumbled program. and rambling attempt to uh to summarize the plot of the film, uh, which once again, and I feel like this happens increasingly the more like shitty action movies we watch this this thing is a there's so this movie is like 90 minutes it's like less than 90 minutes because the credits start at like 85 minutes so it's really it's a it's a (laughs) short one but so much happens in it in such rapid succession and it's so difficult to keep track of what's going on because there's so many fucking okay literally within the first like 10 minutes of the movie they've introduced like five or six different elements to the plot so like it picks up right where the last movie leaves off right so Miljovovich is you know got captured by some scientists her boyfriend I guess also got captured by some scientists they get taken into custody she wakes up in a spooky hospital they've been doing experiments on her she goes out into the city uh, and there's a bunch of zombies everywhere. Boom, Resident Evil Apocalypse. Here we go. Here's the next movie. So, the um, the Umbrella Corporation, they're still evil. They they made zombies as part of a the, this bioweapon program, and now the zombies have entirely taken over Raccoon City. Uh, and then Mila Jovovich is like a super weapon now, I guess, because they did experiments on her. And then there's also like this big guy hot, with rocket launchers, and he's called Nemesis. Like, Nemesis, what from comes from the video games. And then... He turns out to be the guy from the first movie, which is set up like it's supposed to be a twist, but it's the most obvious fucking shit in the world because they already said that he was going into the Nemesis program. So, of course, he's the guy that got turned into the thing that's called Nemesis. And then there's, like, so many other characters that don't matter at all. There's, like, a sad science man in a wheelchair who does some really good 2000s hacking, and he's got a daughter, and she, you know, is lost or whatever. And then there's, like... 30 or 40 shitty cops and military people who are just there 
and I think we're supposed to care about them because the the film keeps cutting away from Mila Jovovich doing her shit uh, and cutting to random groups of soldiers and cops, some of whom are from the video game, like Jill Valentine is in this. Um, and it's, it, you know, most, most, most zombie fiction, you kind of, including zombie fiction that we have watched on this show, like the original Resident Evil, or indeed House of the Dead, uh, although House of the Dead kind of stumbles over its own dick on that one, but most zombie fiction, you, you get a core group of like five or six characters, they're all kind of together in one place, and then slowly they, they get picked off. In this movie, there's like nine or ten characters that all have nothing to do with each other, all walking around in various different locations. They go to a new place, they get attacked by zombies, and then and then they go to a different place and they get attacked by zombies somewhere else. Um, so the Umbrella Corporation has... God, there's so much. The, the Umbrella Corporation has quarantined the whole city, right? And, 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 and the, our heroes, as it were, gotta get out of the city because the Umbrella Corporation is going to nuke them. And then at the end, it seems like they're going to escape because she has to fight Nemesis to see which of them is... The bad guys make her fight Nemesis to make her see which one is... Oh, man. Their the, helicopter the gets the, blown sorry, up with the, the, the problem with this movie is that it's <laughs> like... Trying so it, hard. It's like four B plots and there's no A plot, yeah. right? Like, there's four B plots put together until they kind of all assemble together and the remnants of them get on that last helicopter and you're like oh, okay i guess he was a main character all along <laughs> yeah. i would i wouldn't have known he was treated like a joke the entire time and now he's uh flying the helicopter i guess <laughs> yeah and yeah. then and then and it does the same thing that the last resident evil movie did where the only interesting parts of the plot happened in the last 20 minutes and it sets up for another movie that is hopefully going to be more interesting but probably won't be because like you know it looks like they're gonna escape and then they get blown up with nukes and then, but Mila Jovovich is a superhero, I guess, so she gets to survive. And so she gets captured by <laughs> evil scientists again, and this time they put her in a test tube. And, and then at the end, she escapes, and now she has the ability to make people, like, bleed out of their eye sockets with her mind. Uh, but now they also install the camera in, in her eye so they can spy on her. And I just don't fucking care about any of these characters. <laughs> I have I have a, a real quick thought about this plot, and bear with me. Okay. How? Imagine a movie where the last ten minutes of this movie was actually the first ten minutes of this movie. <laughs> that looks that looks like a cool fucking movie. But the problem is that was this. It was the same case with the last movie where it ended really interestingly um, and then turned out boring as fuck. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like there's a world where like, you know, she wakes up confused us as the audience. We, we don't know what she's talking about when she says, my name is Alice and I remember everything. And then she kicks the shit out of everyone and makes somebody bleed out of their eyes and die. And then she just walks out onto the street and turns out there's a camera in her eye. What if that's like the establishing shot and then things unfold. The problem with this movie is they just they just beat you over the head with plot and they think oh well you're a stupid 18 to 36 year old male uh, you'd need to be doled out the plot like it's a video game beat for beat 
Whereas, like, I don't know, they clearly, people who know how to make movies, right? They made this movie and they could have made, like, a good movie, <laughs> right? Know. Instead, I don't know, man. I, maybe, maybe I'm giving it too much credit because they, they did just dead ass have, like, a giant orange man with unlimited ammo as, like, <laughs> One of the main characters. Like, the two main villains are, uh, you know, an evil corporation man and then just, like, a a giant, big, ugly monster with rocket launchers and machine guns that just goes around screaming and shooting people. So we have... You know, those are my general thoughts about the movie, honestly. Yeah, usually we try to... (laughs) Squandered potential. Yeah, it's... mm. I one of my one of I think the most uh, salient facts about this movie is the fact that five seconds after it passes the Bechdel test, it has it just immediately the scene after that it has zombie strippers with their tits out for no reason and it's never mentioned again. Just so you just so you see, do I need to explain what the Bechdel test is on this podcast? Mm, you you might as well. I might as also, well. We're here. Okay. Yeah, I, I respect everyone on this podcast to probably know, to but probably also know, you're but not a, you, you're you're not shitty if you don't know. No, no, thing, definitely, so. and it's 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 just just sort of uh, an old kind of cultural thing. So the Bechdel test, uh, which comes from this uh, old comic strip called Dykes to Watch Out For, um, and is based and Bechdel is the name of the one of the authors, and uh, the idea is basically there has to be a scene where two female characters have a conversation with one another about something that isn't a man, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And, and the idea is not necessarily like, oh, if this happens, then the movie is feminist. It's more like, oh, the fact that so few films succeed at this incredibly low bar is evidence of a larger problem with, with cinema and, and our, cultural, our, our culture in general, right? So yeah. In this movie, you know, Jill Valentine and Mila Jovovich have a conversation in a church for five seconds and they talk about zombies and don't talk about romance or a man. And then in the scene immediately following that, we see a man get chased by a bunch of zombie strippers with their tits out. And that, I think, sums up this movie pretty well. It is it's 2000s as fuck, right? It's the, the font is there. You got, you got your Matrix font with the little computer noise that come out. There's a hacking scene in it. You got your bad CG. You got, you got, you got your event. You got your, uh, your Slipknot and your Kill Switch engage in the credits. You got your disregard for women. You know, it's all there, man. There's, there's something that I very much just enjoy. I get a sick pleasure out of seeing this type of shit just because it's what I grew up with. And yeah. it's also... Just, I've come to notice all of the tropes that you might not think of as tropes just from being on this hell podcast. <laughs> um, I really like the thing. It's a very, like, Men in Black 2 thing of, like, the bad guys or maybe the good guys. But whatever side are the guys that are the big, like, secret corporation is, like, all their shit is, like, chrome yeah. and, like, slick and, like all their computers are like look like they're made of like like silver steel quicksilver yeah. and it's there's just something very like spy kid sunglasses about <laughs> yeah, the whole mo- look of the umbrella corporation this movie is very very spy kids um so so i do want to kind of talk about a little bit like I feel like at this point they have completely dropped any pretense whatsoever that this that this is going to be a horror franchise. <laughs> yeah, like, this was the moments. Yeah. Like the first movie had its moments of horror and some 
my relatively effective moments. This I don't think this movie has a single good scary no. horror scene. No, not really. Not at all. I mean, like. So the the problem with the first Resident Evil is that they built a really good like the first like fifteen minutes ish are like an actual well executed like horror build and then they have a bunch of SWAT team guys breaking through a window and just kill all of that. This movie has a truck crash in it in the first five minutes and at one point Miljovic crashes a motorcycle through a stained glass window and then throws the motorcycle at a zombie and then the motorcycle and the zombie both fly into the air and then she shoots them with her pistols and then the zombie and the motorcycle both explode and it's really really funny when this movie tries to have any kind of tension or serious <laughs> horror moments after that has happened like it just it, it it you like that happens within the first like 20 minutes and then they, by like minute 40, they're still trying to have like a tense spooky moment with a bunch of children zombies at an elementary school. And you're supposed to be like, oh man, what's going to happen? They're going to get attacked by fucking zombies. That's what always happens. They get attacked by zombies. Yeah, there's. I, I saw them go into the kids' room and I'm like, okay, zombie kids are yep. coming. And then I was right. Everything is so ridiculous. You mentioned this before, before I watched the movie. There's a scene where they go to a graveyard in the zombie movie. <laughs> And it's yeah, like, like, oh, I like man, this. I wonder what's going to happen. And then, oh, shit, a bunch of zombies start coming out of the ground and grabbing them. And and one of the characters in that scene even says basically to the camera, to the audience, <laughs> what are we doing in a graveyard? <laughs> like, fuck if I know. You could have walked around it. Yeah. My favorite thing about it is that, like, that scene, most, most of the action scenes in this movie, which are all terrible, I hate the fucking action scenes in this movie because it's all just like rapid cuts, camera whipping around all over the place, nauseating fucking mid-2000s ass action scenes. And this particular one, they just, they just do kung fu to beat the zombies. That's like, it's, most of the movie, it's gunfights. This part, it, they just do karate and they beat a bunch of the zombies. And... How, as the viewer, are we supposed to be afraid of any of the zombies from this point forward when we know that they can be, that, like, be defeated by some, like, martial arts flip kicks? It's... Yeah, snapping a zombie's sucks, neck. Dude. I, 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 we're, we don't, we don't have to do the, the nerd, like, nitpick thing, but, like, for just, I don't think this is that. I think from, like, a horror perspective... I'm not scared of a zombie that can get killed by getting his neck snapped. Yeah, you know she I mean? does that at one point. It's weird. That shit's like dumb. Like, <laughs> uh, you, if you snap his neck, he should. It's he not should even realistic. Crawling, That's not how zombies crawling. work in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it, it is the the nerd nitpick, but like, yeah. what if he snapped his neck and then he like totally wasn't dead yet and he kept crawling with a horrible like broken neck now that's scary but they don't ever do anything like that in this movie yeah they they're 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 so rarely paying off any of their concepts okay so this movie has a weird bent and the first one had this too but i think it's more on display there's like this weird bent with the umbrella corporation in it right because the Umbrella Corporation, they they constantly mention, like, they're the most powerful, you know, corporate entity in the world. They have the resources and the authority to quarantine an entire city. Uh, there's a moment where a bunch of people are trying to get out of the city, and the M Umbrella Corporation's, like, like, private military contractors 
opened fire on civilians with machine guns. Um, and then they also have access to tactical nuclear weapons. And then they're at the end, they're able to cover the whole thing up and make the news media report that it was a power plant meltdown after they nuke Raccoon City to make sure that nobody finds out about all of the fucking zombies. Um, and it's... It's almost like they're going to say a thing right because it's like oh this is a this is a all powerful corporation uh they they have military contractors they are firing on civilians uh you know this is this is the extent of unchecked corporate power in the resident evil universe right um but there's no real counterbalance to that because the only reason that the umbrella people are bad is because there it because it's private military right all of the characters are cops and soldiers right all of the all of the main characters are cops and soldiers and those are the good guys right and so there isn't you know it, it's 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 the style of like sort of like lukewarm like liberal critique where you're willing to be like oh this part of corporatism is bad, you know, like, oh, well, the Umbrella soldiers are bad because they're private military contractors, like, you know, unlike the good old-fashioned U.S. military and, and, our, and, our, and our cops on the streets who are keeping us safe and, you know, totally aren't affected by the terrible aspects of unregulated capitalism that allowed people's lives to be trained, traded for fucking arms money. <laughs> yeah, unlike, uh, unlike, um, our real world uh, uh, police and uh, soldiers who protect corporations in the name of the government, uh, which is good, actually. <laughs> uh, it's bad when they protect corporations just in the name of the corporation itself. Yeah. If it com- if there's a middleman there in the form of you know the U.S. government, it's actually okay and actually it's good and you're protecting <laughs> you know freedom and stuff. I can't believe. This mid-2000s action movie based on a video game doesn't have a coherent anti-capitalist ideology. It's, but, okay, but it's, like, it, it is actually legitimately disappointing because there's, like, a moment where, um, where th- this character is introduced who is, he's, like, one of the Umbrella soldiers, basically, mm-hmm. and, and he's, like, oh, I don't work for them anymore, you know, you know, like comes in, saves someone, and then is like, I don't work for them anymore. They left us to die. Fuck Umbrella. Um, and and you would think, and in this moment, I'm like, okay, cool, because I've they they had the moment early on where the Umbrella people fire on civilians, and I'm like, all right, what are they gonna do with this? And then it's like, all right, we have this character who defected from the Umbrella side, and now we have you know, a group of cops and soldiers, you know, state-sponsored violence, uh, these people who are enacting state-sponsored violence, versus, uh, you know, this corporate-sponsored violence, um, which in this movie are separate things, in real life are the same thing. Um, And it's like, okay, there could be some tension here that could be interesting. And then that guy gets killed by zombies literally two seconds later. Yeah, I (laughs) I was... terrible. I was was just begging. I was dying for a line from like jill because i think she i think he rescues jill he says like yeah they they abandoned me now i guess i'm freelance i was just dying for a line from someone to be like okay let's okay well you're still like a big combat trained dude with a gun and now you just don't have anyone barking orders at you you're still scary yeah uh, just but like of course he just dies and he just no, dies like... immediately and they just move on 
It's great. So many things are just moved on from in this movie. Like the 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 strippers thing is introduced and then and then moved on from. Um, and 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 the strippers thing is also where we're introduced to uh, I think the the greatest stain on this film by far. The, the the bleeding heart of Resident Evil Apocalypse, the, the, I gotta say. The really, the true core of why this movie is so fucking, like, I, so awful to try to sit through. And that is uh, the, the, the black comic relief character uh, who uh, is introduced uh, driving his car uh, down the street, running over someone and saying, GTA, motherfucker. Uh, which, which, let's be fair, if that was his only thing, it's hilarious, and I definitely <laughs> laughed. Um, but th- then, you know, he, all the other stuff with him, he oh, becomes God. like a real character in this movie, and he has no more development than that initial racial caricature. <laughs> he says, he says motherfucker a lot. There's a, there's a part where he has to, he has to stop to curb stomp a zombie, uh, at one point yeah. to make sure it's really dead. Uh, you know, he has <laughs> custom gold pistols, which he and a hold, fedora and a fedora. And he holds the, the gold pistols sideways when he goes to shoot zombies. And then there's a part at the end where, uh, where the bad guy gets onto a helicopter and, and the guy, and, and he's like, why haven't, why hasn't the helicopter left yet? And then it turns out the black comet relief guy is, is flying that is in the, is in the cockpit. And he says, because I usually drive a Cadillac and then he punches him in the face. Um, and you know, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not good. Mm-hmm. There's a part, there's a part oh, where it's bad, man. There's, there's a part where everyone except for him dies in a scene and instead of, you know, being horrified and running away like a normal person would he like snaps his fingers and dances like urkel and says i'm a bad motherfucker i'm a bad motherfucker and it's like hmm yeah it's you know we talked about how 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 the the queer characters in scott pilgrim really feel like a straight person's idea of what queer people are like yes this 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 guy is a white person's idea of what black people are like it's 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 so fucking embarrassing dude like you can just you can just see the script where it had all of the motherfuckers and all of the all of the fucking like incredibly forced slang that they put onto this character and you know that not a single black person touched this script yeah what what years is 2004 yeah this is like, yeah, the, the, the screenwriter watched the music video for Drop It Like It's Hot one time <laughs> and then just said, fuck it. <laughs> Put it's, it in the movie. It's terrible. And he's like, it, the, he, he is one of two black characters in this movie. And the other black character uh, is a stubborn military dude who goes out uh, on his own when he shouldn't have and gets killed immediately. Uh, and that's and that's that's your options for black representation in this movie. I mean, that's the thing, right? This is how these things happen. This is why stereotypes are such a fucking problem. Is that and and why tokenism is a problem? Is that like when you 
when the only representation that you have is this one character, they now have a lot to carry on their fucking back. And even when it's two characters, they have a lot to carry on their, their fucking back. The way that you avoid stereotyping and tokenism is by having, like, a wider variety of different types of, like, you know, black characters and queer characters and to look at and be able to, you know, see different representations of what... People, those people can be like uh, and you don't get that when you only put one black main character in or two and one of them dies immediately <laughs> what are we watching next week mark uh my friends the time is the time the time has come for the very first video game movie major release that has come out since we started doing this podcast and i will say um it's detective pikachu 2019 um uh, and you know what i'm gonna my prediction for this is that it is gonna be the best movie that we have seen on this podcast (laughs) i'm really looking forward to this i'm really really looking forward to this because i because if it sucks then it'll be great it'll be a fun suck and if it's great it'll be hilarious that it's great so there's there is no way that I walk away from this thing without a big fucking smile on my face. Yeah, there, there's just no way. I, I don't know, man. Like, Greninja is dope. This is just <laughs> a fact. And Greninja in this movie. You know who else is dope? Mewtwo in the movie. I don't know. It's You know who else is dope? I don't, I, I don't know anything. Fucking Pikachu. About, I, I don't know anything about this person if he's problematic uh please don't come for me fucking ryan reynolds dope (laughs) i like ryan reynolds he's a rich actor so he's by default is is problematic because whatever i like ariana grande i'm not gonna be here for this don't you oh man (laughs) pop stars are never going to be real activists mark they can't change anything Ariana Grande is probably my 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 best problematic fave, and I also love her so much. Capitalist like... feminism isn't going to save us, Mark. <laughs> well, she did that new song with Lil Dicky, and therefore <laughs> she's canceled forever. Because anyone who touches Lil Dicky after that Chris Brown thing uh, is just permanently canceled. Uh, you can follow the podcast uh, at Cartridge Cinema. It's funny because whenever we do moments like this, I always think, man, this is we wanted like half the podcast to be us bantering like this, and I think that that would be a worse product if we actually did that. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the things we talked about earlier on. It's just like, oh, yeah, most of the pod- – like, we'll probably spend, like, half the podcast just riffing and half the podcast talking about the movie. And then it very quickly became like, no, because the movies are so fucking absurd and there's so much happening in them that if we spent any time amount of time riffing, we the podcast would be, like, over an hour long every week. Where can people find the podcast <laughs> on the internet, Mark? <laughs> Uh, well, I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna do this one fucking take. Let's see follow the pod. Follow the podcast at Cartridge Cinema on Twitter. Join the Discord. It's linked on the Twitter in the pinned post. Don't follow Alex. She don't do Twitter no more. <laughs> um, you can follow me at Mark underscore Drizzle. I probably post a couple times a week. It's it's real good content <laughs> with a capital C. Um, iTunes and Spotify and SoundCloud and your favorite podcast app are all the places you can find the pod. Um, which you probably know because you're listening to it uh, right now. Uh, you can rate us on any of those places, probably. Uh, definitely try iTunes because if I show up on the iTunes 
uh, list that will uh, make my day, and you should probably want that because I'm because I'm nice. Yeah. Uh, the music is by DJ Tin Man. The art is by Courtney Kaufman. Uh, we're going to watch some fucking Pokemon next week, and for me it was Tuesday. Hello and welcome to Cartridge Cinema Club episode 42. It is 42, right? We, we yeah. changed that. Yeah. Yes, we did. <laughs> awesome. My name is Mark Champlin and today I'm joined by Alex Wallace. Going strong so far. Um, I'm recording I'm recording in a different uh, room, so you're going to hear some echo. So apologies. I know everyone was um, very curious to, as to what the, the problem could be. <laughs> yeah, because this podcast usually sounds so good, so it's really throwing people off. What's up, girls and gays? I I I went I went clubbing last night and got f- fucking wasted and had to try to sober up while watching this movie and that was fucking awful. <laughs> you like, you you every it's we shouldn't always do Sunday morning slash afternoon because I don't want to have to have to ruin your Sunday mornings. Not that you would have had a great Sunday morning after going clubbing, but you you don't have to watch a resident evil move most people don't have to get up and watch resident evil <laughs> on their sunday after going after going clubbing yeah this was the, okay i worked like i worked like five days in a row this week and then this is my only day off and i'm going right back to work again tomorrow and i spent it being hungover sitting at my desk pounding water eating a peanut butter and banana sandwich to try to soak up the residual alcohol in my brain uh and watching Resident Evil Instinction, and I, I gotta say, it, it it really does feel like we're we're kind of returning home here after we we kind of we had some dalliances, uh, you know, we were we you know we watched some racist Pac-Man shows, we watched the homophobic Game Grump eat sports bullshit, and now we're just we're coming back to our roots here on Cartridge Cinema Club with just a just a shit house action movie for idiots. <laughs> tell, tell me about Resident Evil Extinction, Mark. Uh, Resident Evil Extinction. It really does feel like coming home. It's like this is this is like how I felt when I first played like Fallout Four, and I was like, this game like sucks, and I can tell that it sucks objectively. But like, man, I'm playing a Fallout game. That sure is a thing I did when I was young. <laughs> um, Resident Evil Extinction. Um, is a 2007 action horror film. I made this joke last episode. It's just an action film. Yep. There's maybe one thing that's remotely scary. The rest of it is just uh, people shooting other th- things um, with loud music in the backgrounds. Um, Paul W.S. Anderson returns to write uh, the third uh, the third Resident Evil sequel. It is a direct sequel to Resident Evil Apocalypse. Um, and uh, it's a little bit different this time in that uh, it takes place a few years after the last one. I was disappointed that they didn't keep the the kind of cool um, thing going where they just started right where the last one picked up. But I guess that wasn't necessarily sustainable because... Yeah. I mean, one the, makes me, a pattern, so it was surprising that yeah. they didn't keep doing that. <laughs> it, uh, it's true. Uh, I, I, Mila Jovovich can only sustain so many traumas very, very close together before our... our um, 
our, our suspension of disbelief gets uh, gets affected. So they gave her a little bit of downtime uh, in between these movies. Um, uh, you wanna you wanna tell me about uh, the plot because it's actually a little bit easier to follow this time. I yeah, think. man. I, I, I recently went back and, and listened to the resident evil apocalypse episode that we recorded in preparation for this episode. And I think I spent like 10 straight minutes trying to like go over all of the shit that fucking happens yeah. in the 90 Easy. minute span of that movie. Uh, this one also is trying to do 12 things at once, but it's like, it's more coherent and easy to follow. It's, it's, mm-hmm. th- there's less bullshit in this one overall. Um, so like Mark said, it's, it's a couple years after the last movie and zombies have now completely taken over the world. And for some reason that means that the whole planet is a desert now. I don't really know why. Um, and the baddies are making like clones of Mila Jovovich, who is now like a super soldier. And they're doing that so they can cure the zombie disease, I think, or something. And they also want to domesticate the zombies and make them slaves with like this super serum. Uh, but luckily for you, that plot line doesn't go anywhere, so you don't have to worry <laughs> I forgot, about it. I forgot that that was involved. <laughs> it, it does, it's like an interesting concept. Like there's this scene in the kind of early on in the film where like the scientists have this zombie like strapped to a chair and they've got like some children's toys and a couple other things on a table in front of them and they like shoot him up with the serum and then he's like able to put the square peg through the square hole. And I thought that was like kind of an interesting conceit and then that's just completely dropped like halfway through the movie and never comes up again. Um, And also uh, Wesker from from the from the games is in it now and i just gotta say real quick that watching a real life actual human being have to look like albert wesker who is just the most cartoonish looking fucking character is great he's got the sunglasses and the slick back hair and the trench coat and he just looks like such a fucking tool and that's fantastic uh and then mila jovovich and like a billion other characters are aimlessly driving around the desert and killing zombies until the umbrella corporation inevitably shows up and tries to murder all of them and then at the end she kills the evil evil doctor guy and she frees all the clones and then some other bullshit is gonna happen in the next one probably um and i'm gonna say overall this is the least bad of the three Resident Evil movies we've watched so far, which is not saying a lot, but that's that's my stance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, my my stance would um, I, I'll go as I'll go so far as to say that I somewhat enjoyed watching this movie. Wild, and I will concede. I will concede that this is purely like a Stockholm syndrome thing, <laughs> of that I I have watched so many. I'm I'm locked in an eternal battle against uh, the the video game movie genre, and uh, it's a battle that I will lose um, <laughs> inevitably. Uh, but th- it's not often that I actually get to watch a 90 minutes film that feels like a tight 90 minutes, in that the pacing wasn't terrible, the plot was easy to follow, um, the the characters most for the most part were not annoying and insufferable um the the action was uh, you know a little bit incoherent but at least it was like bright outside and there wasn't you know inner inner cuts of house of the dead flashing in front of my eyes um so for all those reasons and also the big thing with this series is that the intro and the and the ending of all three of these movies so far have been like fucking rad um, and then the middle of the movie is largely like uneventful or boring. That follows through for this one, but this one was kind of less boring, and I kind of cared a little bit what happened in the middle. Um, 
so all that being said, no, this movie's not actually worth your time. Nope. If you're like, if you are not forced to watch video game movies, <laughs> you know, you shouldn't watch this movie. Um, don't don't spend three ninety nine on it, um, <laughs> like I did. Uh, but yeah. you know, I, I, that's that's where I'm at. Yeah, I I'm kind of in this position of like, the best thing that I can say about this movie is that it was not physically painful for me to sit through, uh, which yes. I would say the other two movies in this series were, uh, and most of the movies that we watched on this podcast are. Um, this one, it's 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 just bad. Like, it's just a bad movie. Like, it's just kind of a shitty action movie. It's not, like, insulting to all of my sensibilities. That, like, okay, there's parts of it that are insulting. But, like, yeah. it is not it is not constantly <laughs> hammering into your brain with how fucking excruciating it is. It's, it's just yeah. a shitty action movie, which is about all we can ask for. Um, I think Mark and I both had each had one thing that we wanted to call yeah. out as a thing we thought was actually good in this movie, which is wild. Um, so can, do you want to talk about the zombie crows a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll go, we'll go over the, the goods and bads. Uh, the, the, the good standout, um, something about like birds is always like scary for me. So me specifically when I saw, so one thing about the setting for this movie that you will notice is that it's just like a wasteland, like a barren, type of like type of like new vegas type of feel it's a where it's shitty just, mad max movie basically. it's it's a shitty mad yeah, yeah it is a shitty mad max movie and uh, as such they're just out in the desert kind of driving most of the time and the so it wouldn't make sense for just like hordes of zombies to be the only thing which they're for the most part is yeah. just hordes of zombies attacking them of course um but at one point there's like they're they're in this camp which they made out of an old uh, rundown gas station and then a couple crows show up and then suddenly there's like thousands of crows on like every surface and the crows are like undead crows because they've been feasting off of the the rotten you know zombie flesh and so they are like zombie crows <laughs> and they start just like smashing their bodies into the into the windows of the cars and into the buildings and start like pecking at the windows of like the school bus where all the kids are and um a couple people like die and just get pecked to death and um there was more tension and excitement in that scene because like guns were not nearly as effective mm -hmm. uh and i enjoyed that enjoyed that they actually came up with an enemy that you know, they couldn't shoot in the face or do hilariously over-the-top dual-wielding machete <laughs> tricks uh, to take out. They actually had to, like... They had, like, a flamethrower, which turned out to not be super useful. And then they kind of... The, the bad about this scene is Mila Jovovich uh, deus ex machinas her way into the scene and uh, explodes them with her... With a mind crush yeah. of, like... <laughs> F -f like a flame explosion like a, she's fucking Mewtwo or something it's such a weird conceit in this movie that like Mila Jovovich like has like psychic powers that maybe come up like twice in the movie yeah she she can kind of do anything right yeah. there's at one point she's she's dreaming and she's having a stressful dream and this causes her to like force levitate a bunch of rocks around her and her <laughs> motorcycle. And then she like wakes up and snaps into focus and all the rocks fall and, and then her motorcycle also falls and like breaks because yeah. she like accidentally levitated it too high and then woke up and snapped it when she it's 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 <laughs> she's like fucking like Mewtwo. Like she has a bunch of weird psychic powers, including like fire powers. <laughs> yeah. 
And she kind of doesn't use them that much because I guess she does the thing where, you know, every one of these shows and movies, like, they do a really cool thing. And then, oh, God, my head. Oh, I can't do that one again. <laughs> or else, yeah. or else the, 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 the screenwriters would have, to, would have to not have to come have up to with the rest of the plot. have to write me out of the scripts because I'm too yeah. OP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I wanted to shout out, um, there's a scene in this movie that felt out of place because it felt like a scene that would be in a good movie, right. <laughs> and that's the part where uh, one of the 12 interchangeable characters in this movie, we'll get to that, <laughs> uh, like, gets bitten by a zombie, so he's, like, infected and he's gonna die anyway, so he decides to, like, make a, like, noble sacrifice by getting into this truck and, like, that has all this dynamite in it and having all the zombies swarm at him and then he's gonna blow it up, and, like, throughout the whole movie, they're, they're constantly talking about how, you know, it's in the apocalypse, they don't got any fucking cigarettes, and they're all really stressed out about that, um... And, and that's, that's a nice human moment, actually. Yeah. I liked that, too. Yeah, there, there's occasional touches like that that kind of work. And in this, in this character's last scene, he's, like, lying back in this truck, and he says, like, God, I wish I had a smoke right now. And then he looks over and notices that one of the characters who had died in a previous scene had left a joint in the car. And so it's just this, there's this shot of it, like, slowly zooming out from the sunroof, <laughs> and he's just, like token up as these zombies start to like swarm the the truck and then the truck like explodes and i i i thought that was kind of cool and poignant and kind of worked even though he was a completely meaningless character they managed to give him like some semblance of personality in that moment yeah it was one of those things the rare things in these this series where the character had like a moment of characterization established earlier on. And then, you know, with his finale in the movie, he actually gets to execute on that same character moment. Yeah. Uh, and this is, it's fucking pathetic that that's like, wow, (laughs) this is one Oh one. Wow. They they set up a character trait (laughs) and then paid it off later in the script. Incredible. What, what can't Paul W.S. Anderson do? (laughs) Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. Overall, I think this movie like still sucks pretty bad. And I feel like the, the main thing is that these movies are just constantly trying to be like 15 different things at once. And they're, they just end up being bad at all of those things. I still don't think that they can put together a competent action scene in this series to save their lives. It's, it's not, this movie is not as gray and blurry as the first two. Like one of my big gripes with those first two movies is that they're just so fucking dull to look at. Um, and this one, like, you know, the, the desert aesthetic kind of works. There's a few nice shots and like some abandoned buildings. Then like, there's some decent lighting in this movie, but like overall, like I, I didn't really find any of the action scenes really engaging. It's, it's still that fucking close up shaky cam style action scene that I just can't fucking stand. And I, I think is bad filmmaking to be totally honest. Um, and it, and it didn't really come together for me. Um, I, I do want to specifically zero in on the intro to this movie uh, and why it annoys me so much um, mm-hmm. because it's really good uh, yeah. and that's and that sucks and here's why it's that sucks. Really good. So so it's good on so many levels. It's, it's too. great. It's really yeah. really good. So like the the <laughs> opening. Okay, the 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 opening shot of the movie is Mila Jovovich passed out naked in a shower. <laughs> but bear with me. That that's God. How many fucking movies for this podcast have started out with a naked woman or a woman being brutalized or both? <laughs> like, and this, yeah, yeah, this movie this delivers on true. that. <laughs> um, but okay, so she wakes up in the shower and then she wanders around the mansion from the first movie, 
Uh, and then eventually she gets killed uh, by some of the baddies and she gets dumped into a pit that's just full of other Mila Doviches, and they're all like mangled and shit. And like, that's a great setup because that that's like how the movie starts. And you're like, oh shit, what's going on here? And, but, but I wasn't like, oh shit, what's going on here? Instead, I was like, they're going to fuck this up. I know yep. that this movie is not going to pay this off well. I know that they're going to blow their load on this and totally ruin all the intrigue as fast as possible, and they're not going to do anything interesting with it. And surprise, surprise, they explain, like, in the first 20 minutes why they're, the clones are there and, like, just, like, hand wave it away, and it, like, ends up not factoring into, like, most of the film. Like, the clones are relevant in the first five minutes and in the last five minutes. And that's, like, the biggest problem with these movies is that they they have these interesting concepts like all of the like all of these movies start with something interesting start with you know oh there's all of these clones what's going on with that oh she's in this facility and she has psychic powers what's going on with that and then like the bulk of the film like the middle like hour and 20 minutes of the movies is just boring action scenes of characters screaming and shooting guns at zombies and and they're not they're never playing with the interesting tools that they have at their disposal in these films and it, it's it's just frustrating. Like, I just knew that this was going to be, that they weren't going to do anything with it, and I was proven correct almost immediately. Yeah, the the thing with this movie is, like, the intro, it gets established that they're still running these fucking experiments about Project Alice, which is, you know, the, the, the thing with her, the fact that she has these zombie powers, that she's infected, but her body has adjusted to it, and they're trying to figure out what to do with that. So they're trying to, to clone her to use that knowledge to develop science. And the whole thing is like, okay, when is the real Mila Jovovich going to like get to this facility and get to the bottom of this? And so it kind of feels like, well, the actual like real plot of this movie is getting Mila Jovovich and that scientist dude together in a room. And that's the last fucking five minutes of this movie. Mm -hmm. So that it's like they didn't do, they didn't make those characters in the middle, like the actual like party um, that's traveling across the desert and trying to get to Alaska, which <laughs> like, yeah, that ends up kind of being the plot. They, <laughs> they do, they discover there's a safe haven in Alaska and they, the, the three survivors <laughs> who made it through, take a helicopter there, whatever. Right. Cause like the movie doesn't do enough to make you give a shit about that. And you're just thinking, well, can we skip this and get to the, the really cool part where we see what Ian Glenn is doing? And yeah, the very final shot of this movie again it's 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 cool, you know. It she 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 hacks into the um the the meeting room with the new Umbrella Corp uh, uh, higher ups and and she's like, hey, you guys, I'm gonna fucking find you and I'm gonna bring all my friends and it zooms out and you see that there's like actually like a fucking hundred Mila Jovoviches on ice and she's gonna wake him up and do crazy shit. Except you know she's not because yeah. because we have seen this series. Yeah, this is what they do. Um, yeah, and so I think we do really need to talk about uh, the issues around the the cast and, like, the, yeah. the set of characters in this movie. Um, and yeah. I have several of them. The first one I'm going to address real quick, which is, you ever watch a movie and you can tell that the casting director has a type? Because that <laughs> shit annoys the shit out of me. Because, like, goddamn, like, it's, it's, it's really telling when the last three characters that end up surviving are the skinny white blonde women and that all look exactly the same, like... That shit is just so infuriating to me. Yeah. 
It's really bad. And then and then the other thing about it is just like I I do not understand why the fuck these movies insist on having like 12 principal characters in them. Like okay, there's a scene in this movie where like all of them are like in this like tent and they're strategizing around the table and they're like seven fucking people in the room most of whom we we get absolutely nothing from like these movies are short dude they're 90 minutes and 10 of them are credits you know like there's not a lot of time to like establish character development there's not a lot of time to establish personalities between the characters there's not a lot of time to establish any kind of relationships between the characters the guy that dies in the weed explosion like him and mila jovovich kiss at the end of the movie who the fuck knows why they barely talk to each other through most of the film and like like they're they're in this convoy with all of these people there's literally like an entire bus full of children who show like and you know that they're there with the rest of the characters throughout the film but they're like barely mentioned and they like don't factor into the plot like it feels like they just want to cram as many bodies into this film as possible <laughs> Yeah, because they don't know how to establish tension without making characters die. Yeah. So they need to have a large cast so that characters can die. It's it's not like when, you know, every season of Game of Thrones, one main character will, like, die or, like, two or, like, oh, a bunch of them died. But there's still, like, six more because <laughs> that's a whole fucking show. This Again, this is, this is 80 minutes. <laughs> there's not time to give these people emotional reasons to die so and then god the worst thing the actual the the thing okay i mentioned earlier that there is something that is like downright insulting in this movie uh and gotta say you're gonna be surprised it's the treatment of the black characters um so i i'm not surprised so (laughs) so in the uh, Resident Evil Apocalypse episode, we spoke at length uh, about the black comedy relief guy in that movie. Uh, I think his name is LJ, uh, because of fucking course it is. Um, <laughs> and he reappears in this film, which was shocking to me, because I figured like they maybe would have wised up. Um, and, and I kind of get the impression that like the actor that played that character like had a talk with them, and was like, you know, with like with his agent in the room and was just like, look, I'll come back. But like this shit where my character carries gold pistols and wears a pimp coat. Not and like dri- drives a low rider with like a grill. Yeah, um, I'm not super into that. And so like he is toned down in this film to an extent. He is not as like ridiculous uh, of a like offensive racial stereotype in this film, uh, right. but but then they, hmm, boy, they give him a love interest, and there's okay. Something that I really want to note about this real quick is that I am pretty sure that this is the third black female character on this podcast in any of the things we watched after 42 fucking episodes of this podcast. One of which was Big Bertha from the Super Mario Bros. movie. <laughs> was the other one... Um, the other one is one Rampage. Of the characters, it, yeah. was it one of the, wasn't there a character in a Good Game? 
who was also oh god there is a character a in good game too yeah fuck yeah. Okay. you're right okay fourth then so fourth. so basically one one in every 10 things we've watched for this podcast <laughs> will feature a minor character who is a black woman um yeah and and they just fucking fridge her they just fucking fridge her immediately uh and and if you don't know what that means okay there's the concept of women in refrigerators it's sort of the shorthand for like the way that uh a male character's love interest gets killed off early on in order to give him uh a motivation to continue doing whatever he's doing this movie doesn't even really have that because the the comedy relief guy doesn't even like he really doesn't even factor into the plot he's just there to say like oh shit every once in a while you know like he's not really essential um, and in case you were curious, yes, he was the one who stashed the joint away in the car. Oh, yeah, of because, course. Of course. Because of course. Yeah, I forgot <laughs> to mention that. Uh, and then he dies too. Uh, so yeah. so this movie has two black characters. Both of them die. Uh, you might have noticed in Resident Evil Apocalypse, there were two black characters. One of them died and the other one was the offensive stereotype. Uh, and every single other character in the movie is white. Yeah, uh, the director has a type. Um, <laughs> yeah, the director has a type, uh, and he has an anti-type. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like uh, in the 2000s, and also now, but like it's, I'm sure things are slightly better. Uh, they, people just were like, they didn't know how to write like a black character without like making him either like, oh, we got to walk on eggshells and make him not act like he is black at all and have him act exactly like every other character or just be completely like an offensive stereotype yeah. that is completely tone deaf. Oh man. It's it's hard. It's bad. Yeah, it's real bad. <laughs> Any other thoughts on Resident Evil Apocalypse before we move on here? <sighs> How many more of these are there? I think there's like four more. I'm really not looking forward to the next one. I I I I'm looking forward to being one of the few People, one of the the only person in my social circle who has seen them all, um, and by looking forward to, I mean this will be a fun thing to to mention once at a party, and then hear the people go, "Oh, that's weird." <laughs> oh, oh, I'm oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm looking forward to grossly overestimating how interesting it is that I've seen these in a social <laughs> setting, and then being disappointed by the reaction. <laughs> all right, girls and gays. There's something we need to address. Um, so normally at this point in the program, this is where we would be going on to talk about what we're going to watch next week. But uh, I, I, we, need to, uh, we need to address a sort of elephant in the room here. So uh, this, this Friday, uh, this coming Friday, on my birthday, <laughs> the Angry Birds movie 2 is coming out. Now, if, if, you have, if you're not a regular listener to the podcast, I, I strongly recommend that you go back and listen to uh, our first episode about the Angry Birds movie. Uh, I think it's one of the best episodes we've done, and and we go over how that movie uh, is just 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 really fucking racist. Just it's literally like an anti-immigration propaganda film. And I'm saying that like we say stuff like that on this podcast, like kind of as a joke. But I like genuinely believe that that film is like harmful uh, and has like really disgusting rhetoric in it, which is hilarious because it's the fucking Angry Birds movie. Also, they drink piss in it. Um, and so I put out, I put out a poll on the, on the Cartridge Cinema Club Twitter, and I asked, I asked the people, do we subject ourselves to going to see Angry Birds 2 in theaters, 
or do we tell these motherfuckers to go fuck themselves? We're not giving their money. We're going to wait until we can pirate it, and then we'll pirate it. Uh, and the overwhelming uh, response was that the people spoke up in favor of our mental health, and uh, we will not be watching Angry Birds 2 this weekend, but we will at some point be doing Angry Birds 2 for this podcast. Just Yeah, Triple C Nation came through on this one. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) Because before even seeing the poll, I had messaged Alex and I said, I'm not paying to see Angry Birds (laughs) in the theater. (laughs) So I'm glad that you guys agree. (laughs) Yeah, so so instead, next week, I, I personally think that we deserve to watch something that's not painful to sit through so what are we watching next week mark um we're watching some more pokemans um mm-hmm. i haven't seen this one it's oh, really the, the the third one no i've only seen the first two okay and uh i've only actually seen the first two like arcs of the anime either i've only seen up to the orange islands in the anime um so yeah so we're watching pokemon 3 the the movie colon ante hyphen spell of the unknown god this movie is titled like the, the style the way the title is styled is pokemon 3 colon, colon. the movie colon, colon. ente dash spell dash. of the unknown uh so this one came out in 2000 in japan not to be confused with pokemon 2000 which came out in 1999 yep. um, uh so uh, i don't know you've seen it you're t- you're saying that this is like a weird one where there's a little girl who becomes psychic best friends with entei wait so entei um don't crucify me entei is the fire dog right? yeah he's the he's the fire okay. legendary be- yeah so uh i haven't An seen this unknown one. Oh, oh, oh unknown are involved as well with this one. Okay, so that that's that's not like a misspelling of no, the word unknown. No, that's, that's because the, the Pokemon unknown is in this. Yes, yes. Um, and they are the the in the, melee. They're like the little black like thingies. That, yeah, that like, are shaped like letters across the screen. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I haven't seen this in like over a decade, probably more than that. Uh, and yeah. but from what I remember. This is the really fucking weird one. Uh, it's so, like, I, I recall that there's, like, a little girl, and she has, like, her, and there's something with her dad, and then I think her dad dies, and then Entei shows up, and Entei is her new dad, and then she, like, <laughs> establishes, like, a psychic link with Entei and builds a giant crystal castle, and, like, it's really, really weird. And I'm, I'm really looking forward <laughs> to watching it, because I, I remember, like, even as a child, thinking that this movie was, like, fucking bizarre um and so i'm i'm interested to see uh now as a nearly 24 year old uh how i'm gonna feel about this one that sounds rad i'm excited where can people find the podcast on the internet mark uh you can find us on twitter at cartridge cinema uh you can join the discord it is linked on the pinned post of the twitter uh you can find us on itunes and spotify uh and soundcloud um thanks for listening wherever you listen uh thanks for rating us on itunes we've i think we're up to the double digits of (laughs) ratings which is sick uh we're trending tab here we come um the music is by dj tin man the art is by courtney kaufman um, I'm going to record some more music. Paperback uh, scroll coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, uh, by, by, by the by, if you like uh, acoustic, emo, folk, punk music, um, I'm making one of those musics yeah. with my guitar and harmonica and voice. 
So uh, for me, it will continue to be Tuesday as I record folk <laughs> punk. <laughs> that was funny. Like I was listening to it. I was listening to your to to it with with Olive, and she was like, "Wow, this is really good." Like I'm surprised if I didn't know Mark, I would probably still listen to this. <laughs> Which That's I thought so was sick. Very sweet. Yeah. Yes. Fucking for me, it was Tuesday. <laughs> That's the highest possible compliment I could receive. Yeah. That was like that was like when I did a show at Chain Reaction in high school and there were kids who were not friends with me who still came because they thought that my music was cool. That's awesome. That That's was super rad. sick. I peaked at age seventeen. <laughs> Just kidding. Definitely that not. would be terrible. Definitely not. <laughs> Can you hear that on your end? It sounded like an electric toothbrush or yeah, something. Somebody is like loudly vacuuming upstairs right now, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna chill for a second. That's um, cool. I hope that I hope that it's just someone vacuuming and hopefully it will stop shortly so I can complain about how they fridge both of the black characters in this movie. Uh punching the ceiling. Ma'am, ma'am, I'm trying to record my podcast. <laughs> um, hello. It's peak, peak millennial is going to your boomer neighbor and telling them to stop vacuuming so you can record your podcast. <laughs> God. Hello and welcome to Cartridge Cinema Club, episode 57. My name is Mark Chamblin and today I'm joined by Alex Wallace. How are you? How are we feeling today? Man, you have some really fucking dark energy today. <laughs> It's a, it's a dark, it's a dark uh, movie. It's, yeah, uh, it, it was it was nominated for the Scream Awards for best horror movie, and it got nominated. It did uh, not. Win. Okay, cool. What's up, <laughs> girls and gays? How's everyone doing? Uh, so, before we get to the the riveting Resident Evil film that we watched this week, uh, there is something that I, I think we do need to address here. Now, um, I mentioned on Twitter on the Cartridge Cinema Club Twitter a, a few weeks ago that we were not going to be releasing any further Sonic the Hedgehog-related movie content uh, until the Sonic the Hedgehog movie was released, because I feel like at this point we've we've given them enough at this point, and they've, they've already established that they're, they're just here to disappoint us and make us upset and we don't want to you know contribute to that any more than we reasonably have to based on the journalistic expectations of running a video game movie podcast yeah at this point we'd be giving them what they want if we kept yeah. going yeah exactly so we didn't you know when they when they put out the new sonic design uh that looks less like a terrible alien demon toddler uh we didn't talk about it on the show we just let them we just let them do their fucking thing uh but now uh, there's something that I think does need to be addressed, uh, and that is the fact that the studio that is largely responsible for the redesign that they put together in six months for this Sonic movie, the VFX studio, that is, uh, has been shut down. Uh, it is a Vancouver-based studio called Moving Picture Company, and they are laying off everyone uh, after being the people who crunched to death. <laughs> To make the Sonic movie look a little less uh, terrifying. So, um, there are hundreds of people likely out of their jobs here. Uh, and I think 
First of all, Mark, thoughts on the... We didn't talk about it on the show, so thoughts on just the Sonic redesign, and then we'll get to the layoff stuff. <sighs> yeah, I had a feeling we were going to get to this. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the people want to know. Um, <laughs> well, listen... It's not like I it's not like I have any choice as to whether I'm going to see this movie or not. <laughs> so, my thoughts as to whether it looks fucking awful or kind of not fucking awful anymore are are largely irrelevant to uh as opposed to most people where I think they were making a purchasing decision sure. based on yeah. if this movie looked I'm, bad. Unlike or not. us who are bound by fate <laughs> to watch I, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. I'm I'm yeah, I'm I'm bound by blood <laughs> contract to see this fucking movie. Uh that being said, uh I I don't know. I, I thought the voice was good from the beginning and I think now the character matches the voice more. Um and it looks uh, capital F fine mm-hmm. now. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel about <laughs> it. Is like, yeah, the new design is fine, and I wish it didn't exist. One because I of s- the the massive amounts of human suffering that were like caused by the fact that they tried to redesign this creature, uh, and also because I just wanted to see that movie. I just really wanted that to see. Too. I wanted to see the film that they would have made with that awful thing and its terrifying fucking teeth. And we'll never get to see that movie now. We'll never get to you know, see it. You know what? You know what? What? Fuck this. Here's here's my actual thoughts on okay. this. The... Mm, mm, Hit me. Mm, I, feel like I'm, I feel like I'm turning into you right now. <laughs> Just... There's... Mm. The... The amount of fucking man hours that went into... Is redesigning fucking movie Sonic the Hedgehog that everyone's gonna hate anyway mm-hmm. and lost everyone their fucking jobs and cost hundreds of millions of dollars and will make another several hundreds of millions of dollars even though it will be hated um, and will inevitably spawn a sequel which will inevitably get another studio shut down <laughs> and crunched and have their Christmases fucking ruined and the fucking director on Twitter is gonna get all the fucking credit for making for for saving it mm-hmm. and then consumers will be blind fucking sheep once again and think that they had anything to do with this and think that it's their moral obligation to go spend 15 fucking dollars on this stupid fucking movie i, I oh my god i the the whole the concept that this movie exists is fucking infuriating no one was asking for a sonic the hedgehog movie no one no one wants this no one wants it even if it looks good. No one fucking cares. But we will all see it and it will make a shit zillion dollars because because Americans uh a lot of Americans have excess money and even the ones that don't have excess money are looking to fill the fucking void in their lives by cramming a movie into that hole because there's nothing else for us. Um <laughs> I've been having a week. Yeah, man. I mean, okay, like the thing is is like the I don't I don't have that much to say about the studio shutdown beyond just like this is this this is how capitalism works and yep. this is this is wage theft this is what it is man. Yep. I mean like straight up like this issue is not any more complicated than shareholders and executives make millions of dollars a year millions of dollars and the mostly to go golfing and drink and do coke right and people who go in 
every fucking day and work 12 to 16 hour fucking death march shifts to redesign fucking Sonic the Hedgehog are left with no health insurance, are left with no wages, are left with no way to support their families because the people who wanted to buy a second yacht decided that they didn't want to spend money on this studio anymore now that it already fulfilled its purpose and all of these human lives are not important to those people because our society encourages people who do not have empathy and who do not feel sympathy for other human beings to become successful and powerful and have control over other people's lives and that's really all that there is to any of this it is simply this is just capitalism working right there's nothing more to it there's this is how the system is built to work um and it's disgusting and tragic and i i don't know if i have much else to say about it other than that resident evil afterlife is a 2010 <laughs> action horror film <laughs> oh boy directed by <laughs> i'm gonna keep i'm just gonna keep, keep going no keep doing it <laughs> Directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, making his grand return. Uh, he's This is his first one directing since the first one, which was the most gray of all of them. This one is also gray. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, that's it's a theme a, that he enjoys. <laughs> he, he sure likes d- throwing ninja stars and, <laughs> and b- gray walls. This is a direct sequel to Resident Evil Extinction. It's the fourth installment in the series and the first to be shot in 3D. God, this Which, was during yeah. the, the whole 3D thing. Yeah, um, we obviously watched the movie in 3D when we were pirating it. I watched it in 4D. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I chair Jovovich, was rumbling and shit. Mila Jovovich came to my house and beat the shit out of me while I was watching the movie. It was very immersive. God. It's, uh, uh, well, sh- sh- she's back, um, of course. And uh, the dude from Prison Break, who also breaks out of prison in this movie, uh, <laughs> he on Wikipedia it said that he thought it was a practical joke at first when they like told him that he's gonna break out of a prison in this movie. <laughs> um, and there's some other people in this movie, I guess. Uh, they all die. Whatever. <laughs> we'll get to it. Um, the film was released in September 2010 to generally negative reviews. Uh, <laughs> it grossed 60 million dollars in the U.S. And Canada on an estimated sixty million dollar budget. Oh, class for that. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but it's it okay because, it, of course, it made a shit million dollars in in foreign markets anyway, so it doesn't yeah, matter. Yep, eventually becoming the second highest grossing entry of the series. Um, th- this film ostensibly has a plot. I would love to hear about it. All right, <clears throat> check it out. Check it out. Check it out. So. Long-time listeners of the podcast, those of you who keep up with all of the Resident Evil episodes for some fucking reason, uh, you may remember that the last film, Resident Evil Extinction, ended with Mila Jovovich, and she finds a bunch of super-powered clones of herself somewhere. I don't remember where. You don't either. It doesn't matter. And her and all of her cool clone friends were all going to go, and they were going to fuck up the Umbrella Corporation, and they were going to get that that big, bad, meanie Alan Wesker and give him what's for uh, and and that plot line is resolved in the first five minutes of the movie because all of the super cl- power clones get blown up and big bad Alan Wesker stabs Mila Jovovich in the neck with a syringe and makes her lose all of her power so she can't blow things up with her mind in this movie anymore and then he escapes and blows up the facility and all of her clone friends die so then the rest of the movie is spent with Mila Jovovich and once again an entirely new cast of characters that we don't give a shit about and they're all not going to be characterized and then they're going to die horribly so don't spend a lot of time thinking about them uh and they're at like a prison 
in Los Angeles, and they gotta get to this ship that's off the coast of the of the of of Los Angeles, and allegedly there is safety there, and then they get there and it is not safe, uh, and Wesker is there, and there's a big stupid fight, and Wesker gets away again. And that's the film. So how'd you feel about this one, Mark? Uh, thank Christ for YouTube uh, 1.25 times <laughs> speed. Uh, <clears throat> I've watched the last two Resident Evil films on this setting because <laughs> it doesn't matter and you get done with the movie 15 minutes earlier. Um, God, uh, this is... I, I was thinking the whole time, like, oh, this movie is was made in this decade and it still looks like 2004. <laughs> Uh, because they still are using the Matrix font, yep. and they're still using the Matrix effects. The Matrix looks better than this movie. Like, make no mistake. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, she, like you said, she loses her powers in the beginning, and then nothing fucking changes. <laughs> so what was the point? I was really frustrated the whole time, thinking in the beginning, oh, that's kind of interesting that now she won't be like a super reflex backflipping dual wielding uh, super warrior but then she just is yeah. still it's the she only... just can't set f- birds on fire with her mind in this one yeah so i guess like if if for some reason you're listening to this episode and haven't listened to all of the other episodes the idea with Mila Jovovich's superpowers is that she isn't like you know a super badass martial arts person but she's gotten you know, infected with the T-virus, and now she has superpowers, uh, and she can blow things up with her mind and run up walls and do all kinds of crazy shit. Uh, and then she loses her superpowers in this movie, and she can still do most of those things. She just can't send out shockwaves with her mind that <laughs> kill people. But, you know, she's still a, it's still a superhero movie. This is not an action film or a horror movie. It's a superhero movie. Yeah, she's just no longer a fucking Sith Lord. Yeah, seriously. Um, so my um my general sense with this film was just kind of like a like a deep seated sense of exhaustion. <laughs> like like I started watching I this was like the first thing I did today. I like woke up and immediately went to my desk to sit down and start watching this movie. And like I'm I'm so I'm so tired of these movies. I'm so, when like, when Mila Jovovich started talking in her stupid fucking whisper ASMR voice, like she always fucking does in this movie and doing her bland ass narration. And I just like, my eyes were just beginning to glaze over already. I'm so tired of the fucking music. I'm so tired of the synths that go for the entire, that's the whole movie. You want the experience of watching a Resident Evil movie? Here it is. It goes, that's it. That That's all you need to know. I'm so tired of the Matrix font. I'm tired of fucking brown and gray. I'm tired of the plot meandering all over the fucking place and making no goddamn sense in these movies and going fucking nowhere. I'm I'm sick of watching Resident Evil films and we still have two more of them. And that is filling me with like an immense sense of dread. Yeah, considering that I don't... I, I had my doubts as to whether we could squeeze 25 minutes out of this movie. I don't know how we're going to do it two more times. Well, my understanding is that the fifth and sixth ones is they just fully commit to being all the way stupid. That's the problem with these movies, right? They are incredibly stupid. They're incredibly, like, characters running up walls and doing backflips and shooting zombies in the head-ass movies. But 
Also, there is no sense of levity. None of the characters seem like they're enjoying themselves throughout all of this ridiculousness. None, none of it feels fun. It feels stupid. It doesn't feel fun. And that's the biggest problem, right? Is that these movies are not enjoyable to watch because it does not feel like the characters are enjoying themselves. And it does not feel like the people who were making the film were enjoying themselves. It is just like bland and dry and... I've mentioned this a million times, but it's so critical to have your characters talk about things that aren't in the fucking plot so I can get a sense for what who these people are and what their motivations and goals are and why they're here and what's going on with them. And there's none of that in this film. And there's been none of that in any of these films. And it and, and they just get to keep making them and making millions of dollars. And that just makes me really sick. I don't know. Yeah, because it's not like... It's not like there's enough here for it to be, like, dramatic. Like, no. if it's not going to be a schlocky, fun action movie with goofy characters, uh, which it's not at all, <laughs> no. then the characters have to have some sort of emotional weight or stakes uh, or anything to latch onto to make them feel like real people. And there's nothing. So we, we've talked about this so many fucking times. Yeah. But when these characters die, you feel less than nothing. <laughs> you really feel... Is. You feel a negative, like a negative absence of emotion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, it. We, we really, like, I've mentioned this a little bit that one of the, like, in the last episode I mentioned that one of the biggest issues with these films is the cast and the yeah. fact that, like, every, there have been four of these that we've watched so far, and every single one of them completely replaces the cast of supporting characters with a completely different set of characters. So all, like, all the characters except for one of them and, like, Mila Jovovich from Resident Evil Extinction are all gone and they're replaced with a completely new set of assholes and you know that they're all gonna die like that's the thing is like they've just like they have they have sucked all of the tension out of this universe it's all gone there's like you as soon as she gets to the prison and they start introducing characters I'm like yeah whatever I don't care these people are gonna die why do why should I why does it matter who gives a fuck yeah. we, we made no effort to, to remember their names because no. it's pointless it's pointless um, the only ones who get to live are fucking Chris Redfield because he was in the game yeah. and fucking whatever Jill Valentine or whoever it was because she's in the game. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, like your 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 chances of surviving to the end of the Resident Evil movie <laughs> go up if you are a named character from the Resident Evil games or if you are or if you are a white person, <laughs> basically. This is this is very true. Yeah, are they gonna fucking put like Leon in the second one? Somebody's gonna some white. Fucking uh, Ethan Hawke looking asshole is going to walk up in Resident Evil 5 and be like, the name's Leon. I'm going to be like, of course. <laughs> yeah, God, man. I mean, like, that's the, like, like we, we talked at length about the incredibly embarrassing black stereotype character from the second and third movies who has yeah. been replaced with a much less stereotypical black character in this movie. Still made him a basketball player, though. They just can't help themselves. And then they got the one Asian character who is entirely subservient to a white character because he's like the intern of the shitty movie director guy. And then he dies for no reason. And a bunch of the other characters die for no reason. And I just got to ask, this is the thing that I'm coming to. And this is the thing that like really started to come into focus for these. Like while I was watching this movie in particular is like, it's, it's so hard to tell if they planned these movies because it feels like the first five minutes and the last five minutes of every film 
were planned out to lead directly into one another. Like, they always end up at some facility where there's some bad guy. The bad guy gets away somehow, but they find out some new place to go or some new thing that's going to help him out, and then they're going to go get him. And then at the beginning of the next movie, that plot line is resolved in five seconds, and the bad guy gets away again, and then we get to spend an entire, like hour and a half with a bunch of assholes we don't care about shooting zombies in the face and then the plot comes up again in the last five minutes and it really begs the question of like did they just have like the bookends of this film like all of these films figured out and then just like have to be like all right fuck what am i gonna fill the rest of the time with here because i couldn't figure out a way to stretch the superpower clone plot out to an hour and a half so i need something else to put in here and it's just they're bad movies. I, uh, I, oh my God. And th- <laughs> there's no creative spark in this movie. Like they, I, it feels like there was just like 12 people in a room and a Capcom executive there. And they were just like, fuck man. The, 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 the this bar has met that bar on a chart. And we got to make another movie that makes us another $300 million this year. Uh, Resident Evil. Bam. We haven't done one of those in a while. Um, Mila Jovovich, how much money do you want? Okay, great. Here's that. Um, uh, okay. this In this one, they're going to fucking... Um, what have we not done? What city have we not done? Fucking Los Angeles. Easy. Uh, okay. What, where would a bunch of people be in, go? Yeah. What could be in yeah. Los Angeles? Uh, shitty movie director. Basketball star. Uh, <laughs> Korean yep. guy that's an intern to the shitty movie director. Boom, cut, print, it's done. Okay, yeah. W- where are they going to go? Okay, well, what place, like, would be good to protect yourselves from zombies? Um, a prison. Okay, sure, sure. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Just, yeah, just get, write it. Get me a script. Get me a fucking screenplay. Yeah. It can't get be that hard. Get a script and, a, and a, a location that we can make look like a prison. <laughs> you have 14 days. Go. <laughs> what are we watching I, next week? <laughs> Um, I'm you hoping... said you wanted a 22 minute episode and I gave it to you baby <laughs> holy shit is it actually oh yeah there we're we fucking great. go um, yeah we're watching Castlevania we're watching the entire first season it's just a few episodes um, it's a Netflix animated show uh, the first two seasons apparently adapts uh, Castlevania 3 and follow the story of Trevor Belmont. Which is interesting because I feel like that is like the least well-known of like the early Castlevania games is the third one. Well, that's, and the the reason I think is because it's not, it's not uh, Simon's Quest, which means that it's not like, infamous yeah, uh, for being a, a bad game well i think the- and it's not castlevania one which is like a classic and everybody kind of likes it and it's yeah. just known to be brutally difficult i think um i think I- i'm gonna make a prediction here i have not seen this show um but uh i'm gonna imagine that they probably picked castlevania 3 because i believe that was the game where you could like switch between characters so they That's probably correct. got a little bit of a bigger cast out of adapting that game um, but yeah, we're going to watch just the first season of this. Um, I have not watched it. I have seen clips of this and it looks gorgeous. It looks like they just like put, went all in on the animation for this. And I'm, I'm really excited to watch it. Uh, speaking of the animation for this real quick, shout out to, uh, Dan in triple C nation and also just general friend and person I have worked with in the past, uh, who is on the animation team for this show. Um, and has been begging us to watch it for the podcast for a really long time. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to, to check this out. Hell yeah. Yeah. Where can people find the podcast on the internet, Mark? 
Um, man, imagine people that this was their first episode. Yeah, what? <laughs> usually, usually there's a little more levity. Usually we're, we have fun on this show, <laughs> I promise. Um, <laughs> go listen to Donkey Kong Country. Uh, uh, at Cartridge Cinema on Twitter is where you can find us. That's at Cartridge Cinema. Uh, join the Discord. It's linked in the pinned post. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate us. Give us five stars. We love reading those reviews they don't come super often but when they do it's like a it's like a nice little kiss on the cheek uh, the music is by dj tin man the art is by courtney kaufman we are at minutes uh t- 23 minutes and 54 seconds for me it was tuesday oh man don't join the military butt cops <laughs> oh, you weren't gonna do it for a second yeah i forgot <laughs> how can i forget to say butt cops God, how is an episode? <laughs> that that felt like twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, it sure did. Yeah, yeah. Didn't feel like a tight twenty minutes. It felt like twenty minutes. Hello and welcome to Cartridge Cinema Club, episode eighty-eight. My name is Mark Champlin, and today I'm joined by Alex Wallace. What is up, girls and gays? Welcome back to the continuing adventures of Resident Evil, featuring Alex and Mark. Welcome back. <laughs> welcome back. And it's weird to say welcome back there because I think I, I I'm pretty sure it has been over a year since we've done a Resident Evil movie. Um, it certainly feels like it, no matter how long it's been. It certainly feels like it. Uh, I, I I I need to I need to sleep tonight. So let's just let's just get right into this. <laughs> tell me a little bit about uh, <laughs> tell me a little bit about uh, the film that we watched this week, Mark. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, Resident Evil Retribution is uh a 2012 action horror film uh like all these movies i will say uh action yes uh horror requires many quotation marks <laughs> sarcastically because yeah. nothing is scary about this no. um written and directed by the boy paul ws anderson um back in the writer and director helm um i think that uh, he was mostly just a director for a while. This really has just his hands all over it. You can, <laughs> yeah, it really <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it. <laughs> oh, um, a direct sequel to the 2010 Resident Evil Afterlife. This is the fifth Resident Evil movie out of six. Mm-hmm. If I am, we're almost not, there. It, we're almost we're so there. Close. If you've been with us for the whole journey, man, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> um. So, so I'm going to strongly recommend that you listen to the other Resident Evil episodes that we've recorded. Not because I think that you need to get caught up on the plot, um, because the plot is not important at all. Uh, and also, I highly doubt that you would know what was going on <laughs> in these movies <laughs> from listening to these podcast episodes. Um, no, there's no way. There's no way. Um, but but what you do need to understand is the emotional journey that Mark and I have have taken up to this point. The reason that it's been over, like, over a year since the last time we did a Resident Evil movie is because the last one that we watched, I felt so fucking exhausted with everything about <laughs> the Resident Evil franchise. The, the fucking, the Mila Jovovich's fucking droll-ass narration at the beginning of every movie. The fucking synthesizer line that goes, do, 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 
you for the entire fucking film. Uh, the colors gray, silver, and brown. I was just really tired of these things. Um, and, and I could not fucking stand to watch a Resident Evil movie, uh, for the longest time. Every time the thought of, like, oh, what should we watch next week? And I would think, oh, should we do a Resident Evil? Nope. Not interested. <laughs> um, I would always suggest it, and you would always be like, it's, it has not been long enough. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so for this one, um, I, it's weird, because I swear that I'm gonna describe, like, the setup for this movie, and you're gonna think it sounds kinda tight. Um... <laughs> So, all right. So it's Resident Evil again, obviously. Uh, this time, Mila Jovovich is in an underwater facility in northern Russia, operated by the Umbrella Corporation, or maybe just an evil computer AI lady. Who can be sure? Who really knows? Anyway, so in this big-ass underwater science lab, they have all of these, like, simulated cities. So they have, like, a simulated New York and a simulated Tokyo and a simulated Moscow. And then they have hundreds of thousands of clones of Mila Jovovich and various other characters from the previous Rue movies that you don't remember or care about. And, and, the, and, so, and, and they are running simulations in these in these fake cities with, with the T-Virus over and over again with, with different clones of Miljovovich and her shitty friends. Um, and so it's like a whole action movie set in that facility, like just inside there with all of these fake cities and shit. Um, and man, I wish it was good. Like, like, like if it was, if it was good, it would be so tight. Like, that sounds like a great premise for a fun sci-fi action movie. But the movie is boring because it's a Resident Evil movie. Um, and I think that's kind of the, the thing that we're going to come to here is just that, like, the fact that the setup is better and more interesting than all of the previous films where the setup was, I don't know, they're going to shoot zombies at various locations. Um... The action scenes have gotten a little better in this one, too. Like, it's a little bit more than here's a still shot of a character firing a gun in a direction. You still get a lot of that, but sometimes they do it in slow motion. Um, all of that, all of the, like, I, the fact that this is the best Resident Evil movie serves only to highlight just how fucking bad at writing Paul W.S. Anderson is. <laughs> yeah, my, my main takeaway from this movie was, um you could have given this premise. Like, I think that Paul W.S. Anderson can direct a fucking action movie. At this um, point. And I, he could at not this before. Point, He's gotten it down. No. At this point, he can he can put together to a competent action scene. <laughs> yeah, I think the first, like, two Resident Evil movies are boring to watch. This movie, I think, had... I think was visually interesting for most of it. And I think that is... It's served by the premise, you know... The fact that there's like multiple different cities um, and that have multiple different climates. There's like that suburban uh, area, which is really um, something that we haven't seen in this series yet. Yeah, uh, the way the simulated cities look is cool too. Like when when the simulation breaks and then the sky starts to shatter, it looks cool in this movie. Yeah, t totally. Um, and I just feel like. You know, it's a strong concept. It's it's a. <laughs> I won't I, I won't I won't say the name of the series I'm comparing this to. But there's a writer director who was at the helm of a certain trilogy of movies, and it's the type of thing where like 
oh, this premise is great. If only it was written by someone else. Yeah. Anyone who can write a character and make them make us care about them because these characters are are just fucking cardboard boxes. Yeah. And uh, no, it's not only that they're cardboard boxes. It's just that even if like the the acting isn't great or the the dialogue isn't great at least give us like an interesting like relationship between the characters no nope. and man they <laughs> yeah. just they 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 sure don't they sure don't um so we're we'll we'll get into the characterization stuff um i think we did want to briefly touch on um the the way this movie chooses to introduce itself to you <laughs> Which I thought, oh, yeah. you you seem to have been, like, taken by this. Like, you were talking about it, you were like, this kind of got my hopes up that the rest of the movie would be good. And I was like, I don't know, this made me just feel like, wow, <laughs> man, Resident Evil sucks so bad. I'm so oh. not excited for this next no, to one. Be, to be clear, well, this movie kind of has two intros. There's the intro with, with Mila, Mila Jovovich being like, uh, my name is blah, blah, blah. Okay, I, can, I, blah, blah, I, blah, I need blah. to visually explain this so like it's like it's like pull a hawaii part too there's like no one's gonna get that reference that's fine move on there is like a it's like it looks like it like the intro to this movie looks like it's taking place in like shitty video conferencing software where various different (laughs) like videos are showing up with flashbacks to the old resident evil movies while milajovich in another one of the floating video frames explains to you what happened to all of the previous resident evil movies and there's two things that i i noticed with this one is that like it's just like it she's just like droning on about it and it's just she's just like and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened and i'm just like man yeah there really was no narrative through line through any of this <laughs> at all was there Milyovich? <laughs> and then <laughs> you need characters to pull you through that it turns out yeah and that's the other thing that you notice right is that she doesn't like refer to any characters throughout this monologue she doesn't talk yeah. about any of the friends that she's made or anything it's just strictly like exposition dump and that's because every in every single resident evil movie some characters with no personality get introduced and then they're like unceremoniously killed off halfway through the movie to make you feel something i guess and they just can't stop doing that and they have barely managed to carry over any characters to be clear the intro i'm referring to that i liked is not that (laughs) intro i really mean the the setup in the suburbia yeah like the first 30 minutes yeah, yeah the, the first the first like the first 20 minutes in the suburbia where that little girl is uh, trying to save herself and Mila Jovovich mom clone gets killed. Um, yeah. OK, that let's like, can, can we, let's let's, exp- let's explain that a little bit more. <laughs> um, OK, sure. Yeah, so, yeah, it's it's um, you you don't know what the situation is yet. You don't yet know that it's a simulation. You don't know what's going on in this movie for like 30 minutes. Yeah, which is, but you're still interested because the action's pretty decent, yeah. and you know, um, so uh, it's it's just a regular suburban uh, type of morning, and Mila Jovovich is blonde, and she's a mom, <laughs> and she's just getting her kids ready for school, and she seems to have no idea what the deal is, and then zombies break into her house, and then zombies break into everyone's house, and then it becomes uh, a scramble for her to escape with her daughter. And a uh, friend of the show, Gina Rodriguez, shows up. Um, <laughs> uh, she's you mean in Michelle this. Rodriguez. Uh, th- th- who's Gina Rodriguez? I don't know. I think that's someone in my real life, <laughs> um, and from high school or something. <laughs> uh, th- that's weird. Um, anyway, 
anyway, she's the person least likely to listen to this podcast. That's fine. Um, so, but then, um, you know, th- it ends with her dying, and then it switches to regular Mila Jovovich character, Alice, right? Alice. Yeah. I'm just going to um, call her Mila Jovovich. I wrote Mila yeah. Jovovich in the, in, the, in, the, in the notes every single time because I know nobody knows who, who the fuck Alice is besides yeah. you and me because we have to watch. And I, I newly learned that that's the character's name every time I watch a, another Resident Evil movie. Yeah. Yeah. In the intro, she's like, my name is Alice. I'm like, this oh, is new right. information to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Go <man>. on. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know that that intro. You know, cause, uh, obviously, eventually, you know, you find out it's it's all a simulation, and it it's like that intro is kind of interesting because the characters aren't all superheroes with massive guns that can like the zombies are just not a yes. threat in these movies. They're just mm-hmm. not because we just know that Mila Jovovich never loses and has superpowers, and so like having like fifteen minutes worth of like a scared, terrified person with no weapons and no training running away from zombies was more interesting than 99% of the rest of the movie. Yeah, it was like the intro to The Last of Us where you're playing as, like, the little girl who, like, had, can't shoot guns. Yeah. And it's scary. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about... Uh, let's talk about characters and Resident Evil. This is something that we talk about on every Resident Evil episode because it is the... It, it, it is the Achilles heel. Well, it's really not, because the rest of the movies is... In this movie, it's the Achilles heel, because if the, if the character writing was good in this movie, if the script was really, really good, this would be, like, a totally solid action movie. But the script yeah. is awful. <laughs> um, it really... It just really feels like they never punch this up, ever. Like, they just don't... Like, Paul W.S. Anderson writes a script, and then that's the script. Like, there's no second draft. There's no having anyone else look at it and be like, oh, it would be cool if, like, this character had a personality trait, Paul. And he's just like, nah, don't worry about that shit. Um, because there's only one personality in Resident Evil, isn't there? And it's grim determination. (laughs) There's... Yeah, it's... it's there, there, there's even there's even a, a moment where she where she hands Michelle Rodriguez a gun and she's like, "You just point and shoot." Now look, you're a badass. And I thought to myself, "Oh, they just taught they just taught the in-universe character how to be a Resident Evil <laughs> character. You just point and shoot. There you yeah. go. You're a badass." Because that's all they ever have written about yeah. these characters. They're, in this movie, they like introduce a companion for Mila Jovovich, who is this woman named Ada Wong, who I guess doesn't work for Umbrella anymore and wants to help Mila Jovovich for some reason. It doesn't matter. Um, And you would think, like, okay, Mila Jovovich, she's, like, just this, like, stone-cold fucking murderer um, who has a lot of trouble making friends, um, is clearly severely traumatized, um, and her only verb is shoot. (laughs) Um, So you would think, okay, we need to introduce... Companion for Miljovic's character, you want a foil to that character. You know, you would want somebody that plays off of that stoicness and and is like a little bit more fun, is a little bit more you know cracking jokes and that kind of thing. No, uh, the 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 companion character's uh, personality is that she is grim and determined, and she has the she like you could swap any of her lines with Miljovic's lines, and you would not you would not know the difference. And that applies to pretty much every character in the entire movie. I think this movie has like two jokes in it. That's like where, that's where, that's where you're at. And I can't even remember what they were because they weren't funny. I was even thinking like if they really wanted to just like, like not pay another actor, they could have just had that character be another Mila Jovovich clone <laughs> and it wouldn't have changed anything. That would have been better. Because at least right, that kind of would have been, that would have been more premise. interesting. God, there's, I think the I think the crown jewel of like man they really just don't know how to 
create emotional tension or anything uh, is like, you know, there's a whole setup where Mila Jovovich like meets a clone of her own dead daughter in this movie and like yep. decides that she is going to save this one, even though there are thousands of clones. Um, and that's a great was, idea. That's a great idea yeah, for a sci-fi movie. That that moment when um when uh, Leon because there's a Leon in this movie yeah. because there's one in the game. Of course there. Uh, he's got <laughs> the, listen. They got the the Leon S Kennedy actor. He's got the stupid hair and the stupid face. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> they nailed it. He looks just like him. <laughs> he really anyway, does. um the, yeah, that was why they picked him. Honestly, <laughs> um, but uh. Yeah, there, there's that moment where, where she finds the daughter in the, in, in the suburban simulation, and she's, like, in a rescue, and Leon is like, there's a thousand, there's a thousand, uh, she doesn't matter, and, and and she's like, well, not to me, or something. She says something, but it seems so out of character for her to care about somebody yeah. that it just, like, feels hollow. That's the thing, right, is that, like, th- this is a great setup for a character drama and like could even work if you wanted to like if they wanted to be like all right we're gonna take what we've done with resident evil so far and like actually make the writing good you could be like okay here's mila jovovich who up to this point has been a pretty wooden character but we're gonna introduce the daughter back into her life and then add this weird fucked up like existential sci-fi twist of there are thousands of this daughter and thousands of you as well right that's a great fucking idea and there's just nothing. There's just nothing to it. Like they're they, like Bela Jovovich doesn't feel anything about no. this. We don't see her ever feel anything besides like I'm gonna kill these zombies or damn that thing that I just did sure was traumatizing. Anyway, time to move on. Um, you can just like see the moments where a competent writer would have made like a cool moment out of this, like. When they're walking down the, when they're walking down the clone production facility, yeah, it's and, so good. And the, the, Why is the daughter looks bad? up and the daughter looks up and sees like a hundred of her uh, going by, and then a hundred of Mila Jovovich going by, like attached to hooks going past on like a big rail, like just like totally like dehumanized. Yeah. And, and she looks up and she's like, "Oh God, you're not my mommy, are you?" And like that would have been. And, and and they do they just move on because there's zombies to shoot. That would have been a, that would have been a, like an emotionally pivotal moment in a in a film where the relationship between Milojovich and this young girl was developed throughout the film and then paid off. But because Paul W S Anderson only knows how to write characters that say "Let's go and watch my six, uh, there is <laughs> there's there's nothing to it. Is there anything else that you would like to say about? Resident Evil. I have already forgotten the subtitle. Let's let's give Paul W. S. Anderson some credit. He also knows how to write a character that says, "Yeah, you guys go on without me. I'll hold them back." <laughs> God, yeah, dude. Oh yeah. Okay, one more thing. When, at the point of this movie where they were just like, where they they bring back a character from the previous film, and they're like, <laughs> and, and and like some characters like it's Luther, and Miljovic is like, "Oh my God, Luther, he's, he's alive. alive!" And I'm like, "Who the fuck is that?" <laughs> He was only one movie ago. I watched a lot of movies in the past year, and I probably would remember certain characters, but not uh, not Resident Evil characters. No. I I was thinking about the fourth Resident Evil movie. Man, that really was like the worst one. I that's the one <laughs> they where they're in a, a building. Oh and god, then they're, they're on they're a boat bu- at the end. They're in a building, and then it ends with them on a boat. 
and and that and Luther was apparently the most memorable character. The, I, all I remember all about Luther is that he was the he was the slightly less uh, offensive stereotype of a black man <laughs> compared to the yeah. one from the first two movies uh, who <laughs> who wielded uh, dual golden pistols. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that he like held to the side, like yeah. like as opposed and, to Luther, who's just a basketball player. <laughs> yeah, he he's he he's like an NBA player and, and famous before the before the corona. Cor- yeah. Oh my god, I said coronavirus. Oh man, ha, I think that's gonna do it right there. <laughs> what are we watching next week, Mark? Um. So we've watched uh, a bunch of terrible bullshit in a row. Yeah, uh, we watched three, you, the listener, three movies. Don't give a fuck about. <laughs> no, I, uh, we were talking before this before the podcast, and I was like, "How many people do you think are going to listen to this episode who have already happened to have seen Resident Evil: colon, Retribution?" And we settled on zero. I think zero <laughs> yeah, people have seen this movie that zero. watched this. But meanwhile, for this <laughs> probably <laughs> has seen Pokemon. Uh, so Pokemon Indigo League um, is the first season of Pokemon. You've all seen it. He 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 steals a bike. He gets struck by lightning and shit. He sees Ho Oh. That's all the first episode. I don't remember a lot of this. Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna have Alex choose the episodes because I always don't remember all a lot of, of this. Because I was, okay. You choose. Literally, you can choose all of them. I haven't watched anything past the first five episodes. Wait, really? Since the nineties. Okay. Yeah. No. Well, I literally like. Okay. No, I definitely you... watched some Indigo- Pokemon Indigo League when they like put it on Netflix when I was in college. Um, but yeah, the, what, the... so so obviously, like, there's like a bajillion episodes of this. Um, so we're not gonna like watch all of it. Um, so I think what we're gonna do is I'm gonna like just go and I'm just gonna pick my favorite episodes of Pokemon. Like, just mm-hmm. the ones that I remember the most. We'll probably watch that really fucked up one where Sabrina turns them all into dolls. Um, and we'll have a good old time. I don't know. Yeah. We've been watching a lot of garbage lately, so I thought we'd watch something fun that people actually are interested yeah. in. And you know what's cool about this is, like, even though I haven't seen this show since, like, its original run uh, and also, like, in syndication, like, a few years after. So, like, I, you know, since we have not seen this show for... Uh, at least 15 years, if not like closer to 20, I still remember so many like episodes. I still remember so many moments. I remember, you know, Pikachu not wanting to evolve, even though it would make him stronger. Uh, Cause he doesn't want to change. Yeah. I remember weird. Uh, I remember the ghost house with the yeah. haunter and everything. I remember <laughs> a, a bunch of Part of my shit. brain is like, I just want to watch all of the ghost episodes. Cause those are all my favorite. We should watch a ghost episode. We'll definitely the, watch the, a ghost episode. I remember the ghost episodes being like funny because the the ghosts were like tricksters and stuff. I want to watch the episode where Slowpoke and Psyduck hang out. That's also high on my priority list. Um, I remember the episode where it's a Metapod versus a Metapod, and there's a whole that's like the joke, and because they only know Harden. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Yeah. We'll have lots yeah, of time to talk about Pokemon. Pokemon next week um we've we've talked about pokemon a lot uh, we have but it's never enough for me it's it's never enough it's never enough i just have so many opinions about pokemon i literally if you put anything related to pokemon in front of my face i will i will give you an opinion about it because i have been thinking about pokemon since i was four years old (laughs) you know yeah um So with that in mind, where can people find the podcast on the internet, Mark? You can follow us on Twitter at Cartridge Cinema. That's at Cartridge Cinema. Join the Discord. It's linked on the Twitter in the pinned post. 
You can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or whatever your favorite podcasting app happens to be. Uh, you should rate us if you like us. That would be good. It helps us with SEO and all that junk. Uh, the music is by DJ Tin Man. The art is by Courtney Kaufman. For me, it was Tuesday. But cops, don't join the military. Peace. Peace. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do a post show this week because I have to. I need to go to sleep. Cause okay, because I need to go to sleep because tomorrow morning I need to wake up and go to a direct action thing. Um, <laughs> and so I'm going to. Yeah. I'm gonna take my own advice and shut the fuck up uh, and do the work. <laughs> so thanks for listening. Hell yeah. That's a podcast. Yep. That's a podcast. That, yeah. Hello and welcome to Cartridge Cinema Club episode 107. My name is Mark Champlin and today I'm joined by Alex Wallace. It was it was all meaningless. Girls and gays. Yeah. <laughs> it all it all it all it all meant nothing. It came from nothing and now it has returned to nothing. It was a it was a 10-hour journey to nowhere. <laughs> welcome to our final episode. About the uh, Paul W.S. Anderson Resident Evil saga. I know that they're making another Resident <laughs> Evil movie, but this is the last one about the the the, the Paul W.S. Anderson sexology <laughs> of Resident Evil movies. Um, and it, yep. uh, it, it, I am experiencing a profound sense of ennui. Uh, <laughs> I've experienced complete ego death. It, I yeah. <laughs> actually like I I I've I've reached a spiritual nirvana except instead of enlightenment I just hate movies. <gasps> yeah, no, this yeah, I I think I think we came to the end of this journey and our conclusion is that you just it's, it's wrong to make films. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to I want to give a quick shout out uh, to anyone who's listening to this on the future to be released. Uh, all of the Resident Evil episodes put together into one audio file episode. You made it. Um, You're, you've you, arrived. Congratulations. You've arrived. This is going to be the the end, and it's not a happy ending. <laughs> what did we watch this week? Mark? All right. So obviously, we watched a Resident Evil colon the final chapter. Um, it, it came out in 2016. It is the final, uh, Resident Evil movie from the, from the, the dark and twisted mind of Paul W.S. <laughs> Anderson. Uh, <laughs> it was a direct sequel to Resident Evil colon Retribution, which was the fifth movie. And, um, I gotta say, I, much like I do every, at the beginning of each one of these movies, I took a mental inventory of the series, uh, mm -hmm. and I... I cannot remember a single solitary thing about the fifth movie. I don't like, you don't have to remind me if you remember some of it. I don't care. Yeah. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying that I can remember bits and pieces of every one of these, except for the most recent one. <laughs> uh, but this one manages to somehow uh, be worse. This, I would say. <laughs> yeah. This, uh, yeah, let's. Okay. So before I give my opinion, Let's talk about the plot. Uh, the plot yes. is that it's a fucking Resident Evil movie. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. So, so, so you already know what this is. This is an hour and thirty to forty-five minute film in which the primary colors are brown and gray, uh, and the vast majority of the duration is made up of blurry, weightless action sequences. 
Um, it opens on the droning narration from our protagonist, Miljovovich, uh, which at this point to me is like basically the exact opposite of ASMR. <laughs> like, like, like when 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 Miljovovich started talking at the beginning, because every single one of these movies starts with her summarizing an increasing number of films in an increasingly <laughs> small amount of time. She, <laughs> yeah, she adds four seconds to the end of each uh, yeah to, of her dialogue every time. Um, and she doesn't emote ever, like at all. Like she kind of just doesn't act really. In, uh, you know, and and at this point now when that starts it's like it's it i have like the i have like a pavlov's dog reaction but like a negative one where it's just like oh god i'm gonna i'm about to watch another fucking resident (laughs) evil movie (laughs) yeah that when she says my name is alice at the end it was like it was like my brain giving me a cue to like fall asleep immediately Um, and then there's a zombie apocalypse uh, created by the evil Umbrella Corporation. Uh, and Mila Jovovich uh, is in a location, uh, <laughs> you know. She, she's, she's standing there. Yeah, she's, she's around. Uh, and, she has to, and she just kind of has to wander around and stumble into action sequences or sometimes very occasionally the plot. Um, and then, you know, along the way, she'll meet up to six brand new characters who will all have three lines and then die immediately. Uh, if you're a minority, that amount of lines goes down to two or zero, and you're guaranteed to die much faster. Um. Yeah, I think it's funny that in this one, uh, the, the the black guy dies much later, but he talks less. So <laughs> yeah. they really split the difference. I think he literally has two lines yeah. and then gets and then gets his head eaten by a <laughs> by a zombie monster um and then uh, you know mila jovovich herself will have no personality whatsoever besides the fact that she is stoic and determined <laughs> um and at the end it's gonna turn out that like mila jovovich has been a clone all along or also the bad guy has been a clone all along or either, you know, it could be both. <laughs> um, and then usually the bad guy just barely slips through her fingers. But but in this one, uh, obviously, since they got to wrap things up, uh, she gets the magic uh, zombie cure that immediately kills all of the zombies. Um, and then and then it's still pretty much another cliffhanger because it's like like it's not like it cuts to the future. And it's like and here is the society that humans built once, you know, this corporate influence was removed because Paul W.S. Anderson uh, doesn't have the, the the political ideology to be able to imagine such a world, <laughs> you know? Um, so th- so this movie ends with Mila Jovovich uh, riding off on a, uh, on a motorcycle pursued by a zombie dragon, uh, implying that, you know, this, this, this will just continue to exist as the eternal apocalypse action movie universe that never ends. Uh, and, and then it's like, It's like they could make another one of these. Like, it doesn't end, and I'm like, oh, this one ended strongly differently than the other ones, and I feel like it it wrapped, like, I don't know, this was just another fucking, just just more dirt on the fucking pile of the Resident Evil (laughs) uh, saga. So, Mark, uh, before we we get into... Before we get into uh, the the sort of retrospective aspect of this episode, which I think is going to be kind of most of it, um, Mm -hmm. how did you feel about this one, Resident Evil, the final chapter? (laughs) Before we we nail the coffin shut forever and ever and ever, um, this particular movie, Mm -hmm. 
as an astounding commitment to do fucking nothing. Nothing. Like the entire f- first half of this movie uh, just felt like a terrible preview sequence for the Monster Hunter movie uh, that's coming out soon because, like, instead of individual zombies, it's just, like, big zombie monsters who basically look like, you know, terrible versions of... L- lower budget versions of those uh, rampage monsters, uh, and and she, you know, she hits him with a truck. She, she drives away, uh, and it's just several near death experiences, one after another. And when you hear the intro of this, I, it's not that I was excited, but I, I, every one of these movies, you you see the beginning and you envision a world where this one is cool. Uh, <laughs> and I made this mistake five times now. And of course I did it again. I was like, I stopped being tricked a while ago. Yeah. I'm going to say that. This it's, one I was like, right. from the get go, I was like, this movie's going to suck. It's going to be bad. She said, my name is Alice. And I was like, here we go. Yep. It's going to be bad. It, it, it's not like I didn't also know that, but I, I liked, I like to play a little game where I imagine a good movie. Um, and in my mind, like if the, like what they would do is like, okay, well, like the first 20 minutes of the movie is going to get her back to the hive back to where all that shit happened in the first movie going to be lots of flashbacks it's going to be a real send-off to the series and maybe they'll bring back uh, her fucking uh boyfriend who turned into nemesis in the second one and and he'll be around and maybe they'll maybe she'll kiss him or whatever but instead there's like an hour and 10 minutes of not being in the hive and just being like above ground with her random, completely new set of friends that all die, doing exactly the same thing that they did the last five fucking movies. Uh, and this time her shotgun has three barrels. Ooh, that's li- <laughs> that's the whole fucking movie. And then they get to the hive, and there's a bunch of fucking plot reveals, one after another after another, um, that are meaningless and serve to remind you that this plot was obviously assembled uh, by the seat of their fucking pants, because if any of this was planned from the beginning, it they would have left any sort of hint at all in the rest of these movies. Uh, and then nothing cool even happens in the hive. I, I predicted from minute one that they were going to do the laser hallway again, because it's one of... the second time they've brought it back, I'm pretty sure. Have they brought it back again? I think so. Okay, I just because in the first movie, because in the first movie, there's a laser hallway sequence, and that was like... I don't even remember if it was the first movie. It one of them. It was, was the laser first movie. Hallway. For and sure. Then, and then, and and that was like kind of an all right sequence because like now in retrospect, that first Resident Evil movie feels like I'm sure if I went back and watched it, it's right. it's terrible. But like in retrospect, that one kind of seems all right. <laughs> to, absolutely, it's it is it's incredible what what time will what two years of watching increasingly worse movies will do to a bad movie. Well, cause that, cause that one's, that one's just aliens. Right. And so yep. they just do aliens, but then mm-hmm. after that, they stop doing aliens anymore. And so, and then they don't know what to do. So the plot is just Mila Jovovich wanders around the desert. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> like the first, the first movie is they burned a CD of aliens. And then this movie is like, after that CD got scratched up for 10 years in the back of a Toyota, and then they burned that 15 more times, and then that that's yeah. what you're listening to. <laughs> yeah, and then turned it into a Fallout 3 mod. Okay. Literally. <laughs> um, okay. Like, I, I mentioned, like, yeah, the primary colors of this movie are gray and brown, but, like, man, I remember, you remember, like, you remember playing, like, just regular-ass, vanilla-ass, kind of actually just a bad video game Fallout 3? 
<laughs> Absolutely. And on can... the Xbox 360 yep, at, yep. At, a, at a buttery smooth 21 frames per second. Yep. And you like, and you like, you got to like the first big city or whatever. And it's just like, oh, it's just piles of rubble. And I'm just wandering around running into yep. gray and brown piles of rub- mm-hmm. rubble mm-hmm. for like two hours. And then I, and then I'm not going to play the game anymore. Um, yep. Watching this movie was like that. <laughs> It was exactly like that. Because yeah, they even have like a Washington just, Monument scene, and it's like, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's like, it, 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 it really is just like, like I, I actually think that this is the worst one, <laughs> which yeah, is, I'll which like, that. you know, obviously, like my perspective on this is fucked up. I've been watching these movies like variably spaced out over the course of the past like two years. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But like, I think this is the worst one because it literally is just like back-to-back action sequences for the entire film, and the action sequences are awful. <laughs> like it's 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 yeah. I think that we need to let's let's take a let's take a bigger step back. Let's let's calm, let's calm down a little bit. <laughs> take a deep breath and ask ask ourselves what it all what did it all mean, Mark? I, what was it all so, about? I just okay. So six movies, right? And I'm not I'm not going to sit here uh, and rattle off all of the plot points over the course of this series that went absolutely nowhere and were completely pointless. <laughs> There's a couple that spring to mind. There was that one where she had magic powers and she could control fire and do crazy shit like that. There was the one where she had a million clones of herself. Yeah. Um, she, the has, whole, she had a daughter in she one had a of them. Da- yeah, and the whole Project Alice like thing apparently meant nothing and wasn't actually the 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 the, the point that that wasn't the mission. The mission was actually the thing that was in this movie all along. And so again, I I, I this isn't go listen to the other episodes if you yeah. want that and hear all the interesting things that they could have maybe done if they were competent. <laughs> but that's. Uh, there are so many and none of them mattered. And this, this could have the first one. And then this one could have been mashed together and chosen the best scenes out of those two. And it could have been a slightly incompetent one action movie. And instead there was a whole series that was completely and utterly purposeless. I I mean, like (laughs) we didn't, we didn't get anywhere. We didn't start anywhere, and then and we nope. didn't start at a point A and get to a point B. Besides, everyone fucking dies. Yeah, <laughs> over the, the, and the over only again. Con- the only consistent like, character is Mila Jovovich, and yeah, she and Mila Jovovich, she her she her character is just a clone of some other character we learn in this movie. She has no personality. Uh, she doesn't have an arc. She doesn't like learn and change and grow and become something different over the course of these films. She starts out as stoic and determined, and she ends the films as stoic and determined. And then, like, you know, you you ask yourself about like the, you should be able to sit down. I think personally, with 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 a with a with a good with any good story, mm-hmm. you should probably be able to sit down and be like. Here are what the themes are. This is what the story is about. That, like, just, I don't mean even like... With, even with dumb action movies, you should be able to do this. Yeah. And in the good dumb action movies, you absolutely can. I, I, I want to push back on the imaginary person saying, well, it's just dumb action. Pacific Rim is also dumb action, but that movie is about friendship and healing through trauma. I these, just These movies are about nothing. They're about nothing. Yeah. Like, they're, it, it's a, okay, it is a series about 
zombies and murder. That isn't about death. Death is not like a theme that's really pondered on. Uh, yeah. It's a series about clones. There's tons of fucking clones in this. Uh, various points, characters find out that they are a clone of another character and have an existential crisis for half a second and then go on to continue shooting people in the face. You know, th- these are not, these. this is not a series that's about identity and personhood, you know? No. Which, you know, and like, th- that's how you know that it's a bad story because that's like my favorite type of shit. <laughs> And there's yeah, totally yeah, and and they don't do anything with it here. Like I'm I'm willing to like I, I like stories that ha- are about those concepts. I like fucking iRobot, which is not a good movie, but it's yeah. about <laughs> you know concepts of personhood and Shout like the nature the of the nature of consciousness and reality because it has right? themes that it follows through on. Resident yeah, Evil has six fucking movies and it doesn't six, do that. They had six chances. I mean to, to uh, do any of it. And I mean, okay, it's also, it's also a series that's like sort of like softly anti-corporate in the worst possible way, right? It's a series where mm. a, cor- a, a corporation is deliberately causing the end of the world to d- cleanse it in their image. Um, <laughs> but all it has to say about that is just like, oh no, they got so powerful that the good old boys at the military and the and the police couldn't stop them. If, <laughs> if, only, yeah. if only the protectors of capital could have stopped capital from getting out of control. <laughs> as, and, as, and, they, as they typically do. Yeah, and then, and then the other thing it has to say is like, well, th- this all happened because the bad capitalist got in and made everything bad. But thank God that the... Uh, <laughs> single invincible white savior character uh who can do anything uh save the day for all of us Uh, i i think it's fucking hilarious honestly that um with this movie in particular where they do this is the one where they finally bring up the theme of like why this all happened and it is that a corporation wanted to deliberately cause the end of the world and keep only their like shareholders alive because they hate like everyone else and they want to create a world in their rich image or what. And I was like, that that theme is so not explored well that it completely washed over me that that could have been an interesting theme because I'm so used to these movies doing nothing with their yeah. theme and and I was right to not care. Yeah, there's like a line where she's like, they only wanted to protect the rich and powerful, and I'm like, dude, who do you think making money on this fucking movie? She's like, she's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh, shut up, shut up, Ilyovich. <laughs> you are the rich and powerful. <laughs> like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Remember how this is the movie actually where her stunt double. Uh, like lost an arm doing a motorcycle stunt and then like the studio like would not cover her medical bills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so thank God that that's... Paul W.S. Anderson is here to teach us that corporations getting out of control <laughs> could be bad. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, and, and like uh, what I have come to is like, you know, the only thing that this series is about is what like all modern zombie fiction uh, made by uh, white people is about, which is like the inherent settler fear uh, that what we did to indigenous people is coming back to us, you know? Uh, mm. But they don't know that the movie's about that. That's just kind of inherently <laughs> what the movie is about. Like, that's just yeah. kind of what they're all about, <laughs> you know? Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to be a fucking communist now. I... Yeah. I took the... Uh, Take us for a ride. <laughs> I took the... I took the liberty of uh, going ahead and adding up the total budget 
of of every single one of these six films um and it's uh it's uh, it's 288 million dollars imagine what i could do with 288 million dollars i could like i could like per- i could like buy a building in denver and just like convert it into a sanctuary and just house people and like i could i could have and have like money left over to like provide resources for people 288 million dollars you could you could transform the mutual aid movement in any city overnight mm-hmm. 288 million dollars and i okay here's the thing man <laughs> it's not it's not about like me like this is not about like me taking like a moral high ground over people that like Marvel movies or the Resident Evil movies. Like I listen, I buy every Pokemon game that comes out. <laughs> I God. like I get I also like expensive popcorn garbage. Like I I we all do. But like the the thing is that in my like in my ideal world those things don't exist. Like you know, like I can I can sit here right. and like Play fucking Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu because it distracts me for five minutes while I'm trapped in my house for two weeks because I have the plague that's killing people. Um, but in my ideal world, there is no Nintendo, you know? In my ideal world, there is no Star Wars. There is no fucking Resident Evil, you know? Or the things that exist of those things have all been repurposed by us and, you know, turned into something completely different because we have slain capitalism and copyright law along with it. Like, I just, I, I, I get it. I get it. I know people like things. And I know that what I'm saying applies to every large entertainment product ever you know this applies to every big budget video game and every big budget movie and every big budget fucking everything that isn't designed to like help people or (laughs) like propagandize in a positive way or something sure but i don't i just you can't tell me that it, it doesn't like hurt you to look at a film series like Resident Evil that costs more money than you and I will ever have in our lives that could transform the lives of millions of people in like in an instant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and see that what they have done with all of that is make a series of films that's just nothing. It's just empty. Like, you know, like, you know, like... What I am saying also applies to Marvel movies, but you know, like at least some of the Marvel movies are like occasionally about something. <laughs> like yeah, that doesn't justify it, but you know, at like, least like people like them. Like <laughs> it's like you said about Pokemon is that the Marvel movies uh, at least successfully do distract people like from the mundanity of their of their lives being waged slaves essentially. But like the. These movies don't even do that. They are less than worthless. They exist only to consume money that would have been better purposed for anything but this. These these movies were created to fill seats in theaters and push a product out the door. No one 
except for maybe Paul Paul's dumbass thinks that these movies are good. Uh, no studio executive is under any misconception that these are arts. Uh, they exist to create money for themselves. Yeah, and... the, the Resident Evil movies aren't inspiring people to go on Twitter and argue <laughs> that uh, actually, uh, actually, <laughs> the Resident Evil movies are are, are modern folklore. <laughs> Uh, you know what? Maybe they're better than. They're like you know our. They're I, like I, our I, mythology. I changed my mind already. May, the maybe the Marvel's worse. Yeah. <laughs> Go read Scott Benson's Twitter. He had a really good thread about about that take. It was really good. Yeah. Um, is um, a good uh, a good album by Taylor Swift. Back <laughs> this is um, this is your last opportunity here, Mark. Uh, is there anything else Fuck. that you would like to say? about uh the resident evil sexology (laughs) directed Um, by paul ws anderson friend of the show actually you know what i'm not even gonna ironically say that uh enemy of the show class enemy of the show (laughs) i will i will one day defeat paul ws anderson (laughs) Uh, you know you know i will i will give ian glenn friend of the show status uh he has he it's not that he was good in this movie or anything but he has, he 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 puts on airs of like a like a, a classically trained British actor who unfortunately has to be the enemy in action movies forever now because he's got to make some money. Yeah, um, he, he he. I will say he seems like the only person who he's like the villain, uh, obviously, because yeah. uh, he's you know he's the he's the scary British guy. Um, and yeah, I, I will say that he, he seems to be the only one that is trying a little bit to act. <laughs> yeah. And, and he did the same as when he played that exact same character in, uh, the first Tomb Raider movie. Shout outs to another very early episode of, uh, Triple C. Um, and yeah, that's, um, that, that's, that's all I'm going to say. I'm not saying yeah. we should add fuck Paul W.S. Anderson after Joe Biden in the credits here. But man, this week sure feels like I should. Yeah, dude makes some bad fucking movies. Um, so let's uh let's talk <laughs> about um to something completely different. <laughs> let's talk about next week. So 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 Paul W.S. Anderson is making a Monster Hunter film, or ha- has made a Monster Hunter film. Uh and uh it's very hard to figure out uh, where, when this movie is coming out in the United States. Uh, and I'm also pretty sure that it's only coming out in theaters. Which, which is not, hilarious. Which, which we're just not going <laughs> to fucking do. But I think it comes out on, on this Friday before we have to do the next episode. So here's, here's, what, here's, what, here's what's happening. If we can find... <laughs> on pirate bay or wherever either streaming somewhere or bootleg somewhere yeah uh we'll do monster hunter next week (laughs) if we are unable to find that (laughs) we'll do something else we'll pick something else to do uh to be determined next week (laughs) uh but yeah yeah. (laughs) there's a lot there's a lot of hypothetical heavy lifting going on here uh number one someone in the theater cares enough about monster hunter to bootleg it (laughs) Like, my, 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 okay, my, 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 my hope here is that enough people care about Monster Hunter the video game, because Monster Hunter the video game is quite popular, that one that they just put out was extremely popular here as well, so hopefully that means someone will give enough of a shit 
to go record the Monster Hunter movie for us as much as they cared to immediately put that fucking Christopher Nolan movie up everywhere <laughs> like they did. So we'll see, <laughs> I guess. <sighs> well, thanks for joining us. Uh, shout outs again to the listeners of the of the two hour megasode. Yeah. Um, your long journey is at an end. I hope we helped you for that uh, train ride and or long dishes washing session. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Where can people find the podcast on the internet, Mark? Uh, you can find us uh, at Cartridge Cinema on uh, Twitter. That's at Cartridge Cinema. Join the Discord. It's linked in the pin post of the Twitter. Uh, you can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting app. Uh, you can rate us if you if you enjoy the show. That that does help. I just rated us for the second time <laughs> on a second account which is not i don't write any reviews because that's a little sus but i will throw a five star on there um the the music is by dj tin man the art is by courtney kaufman for me it was tuesday yeah it's fuck cops don't join the military fuck joe biden fuck kamala harris and this week i'm gonna throw out a fuck paul ws anderson <laughs> Uh, yeah, and yeah, nothing personal against Miliovovich, but like, your your husband sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, you, you, you. Also, you probably uh, suck too. <laughs> yeah, you also probably suck, and your your performance in this in these films was poor. <laughs> it was bad. Um. But but peace anyway. <laughs> but peace. I don't know. Yeah, post show. All I really want to say is like solidarity with the Red House. Like, if, you, uh, if you're not aware of what's going on with the Red House, look up what's going on with the Red House in Portland. Um, yeah, solidarity with everybody who's uh, fighting for housing justice right now, because mm-hmm. it's getting fucking cold. And yes, the evictions are coming. And uh, I know... I know how fucking... Yeah, I know how... I know how brutal it is everywhere. It's brutal here, and it's it's... Yeah. So, yep. Solidarity I, with everybody who's fighting for that and if if you if you're not able to be in the streets, try to, you know, throw some money or spread the word or just read and learn and, you know, just be involved how you can. I know for me I live in a, uh, in a in a city in not only a city but a but a city that's relatively warm. It doesn't get even it doesn't even get past the the high 50s Fahrenheit here at night in the winter. Uh so we have a lot of, you know, have people without homes who come here to be on the streets here because it's slightly warmer on the streets here and everyone in my city of course their favorite thing to do is complain about this uh because oh ew homeless people uh, existing yeah. and there's more I, now <laughs> uh so it's so i the thing that i've learned uh like uh, uh like doing that type of uh <laughs> being involved in that kind of work in liberal cities uh, is the two most politically active groups in liberal cities uh, are leftists and NIMBYs. <laughs> you know, leftists and people who uh, don't want that shit in their backyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, throw some money around, buy some fucking blankets, sleeping bags, tents, whatever you can do to help uh, the, the uh, unhoused in your area. Uh, yeah. Very important. There's lots of ways to help. There's lots of ways to help that don't even involve, like, leaving your house, which I know yes. a lot of people cannot do right now. But, yeah, you know, yes. there's – there's and also, like, <laughs> failing all, absolutely anything else, there's always educating yourself, you know? There's always mm-hmm. reading <laughs> – 
You know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still in that. I'm still in that phase, um, especially you, on hey, this topic. Hey, guess what? There is. It's not a phase. Yes, that's it's just, not a phase. That's, that's just what, what it, that's just what it is. There's. It's like <laughs> right. it's like how much it's like how much theory am I allowed to? Am I, how much theory in history can I read before I'm allowed to have an opinion? Like I don't know. You never stop learning. You never stop reading history. And well, I got I got my I got my Marxist Leninist patch uh, for Boy Scouts, uh, and you know I don't have to read anymore. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Now I have to. Now I get to stop learning yeah. yeah i don't know like listening there's a lot of podcasts to listen to there's a lot of people like i don't know i feel like a lot of i, I hear a lot like people are like well like people are so pretentious about theory why don't you make theory accessible and it's just like well some things are complicated and take time to learn and you have to take do some work to learn but also like there are a lot of people that are making theory accessible there are a lot of like podcasts uh that, that yeah go through theory yeah there's there are bodies of work Bodies of work that have been written in the last 20 years that I have been reading this year that are completely digestible and uh, yeah. and have taught me uh, a lot. And um, yeah, um, well, yeah, obviously fuck anyone who is purposefully gatekeeping these things, but also don't yeah. like, don't let those people determine the gates. Fuck those people. Yeah, like, I, I shove it like, in their face. Go learn shit anyway. I think something that's very important, that's like very, very important in your like journey as a as a as a leftist is like realize when you're making excuses to not just learn. Yep. Like realize when like all of the things that you're saying are reasons you're coming up with that you don't want to either like read or listen to learn these things and like you mm-hmm. know maybe it's not that time for you right now you know like i go through phases where i'm reading more books i go through phases where i'm like listening to more podcasts and i go through phases where i kind of like step back from that shit because it's a little bit a lot and you right. know like maybe that's not your time right now but like you know recognizing yourself when you're when you're just using arguments that are actually just shields to to uh excuse the fact that you don't want to like <laughs> you know read fanon <laughs> or you right. know whatever right. Um, basically all I'm saying is we're giving you lots of reasons to read and, uh, <laughs> and take in things that are not Paul W.S. Anderson movies. We got you covered on that. <laughs> there's a do, lot of, yeah, there's a lot of media to consume that is do not other produced things. by Paul W.S. Anderson. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> For listening peace. to Cartridge Cinema Club, a podcast <laughs> yeah. about I have no fucking idea anymore. <laughs> God, we, re- we really put 10 minutes onto the end of that perfectly timed episode, but you know what? <laughs> It was solid. Solid 10 minutes. Peace.